0: And now we're going to stream live to our custom stream. I always love stream live. And there we go. We're, we did it. We did it. Hello, everyone. And welcome to PPG Grandpa's Paramotor Podcast. This is a nonprofit podcast for runintothesky.org. Uh-oh. I hear somebody talking in the background. I always
1: love stream live. And there we go. We're, we oh, did it. I was
0: doing that whoever's doing that. Okay we're good now. all right so <laughs> this is PVg campus paramotor podcast if you're listening to us and if you're watching us this is clear prop TV running to the sky.org and of course paratalk.org uh welcome everybody We are starting a little bit early tonight. We have Ben Raven from overseas over in italy he's from the UK so he's it's like two o'clock in the morning so we're going to be really. Uh, respectful of his time. And we're going to run really quickly through the the uh, the through the panel here. We got Butch Fly from ppgbutch.com. He is the director of the nonprofit, the uh, director of operations over the nonprofit. So thank you very much, sir. We also got Paramom from paramomusa.com. If you want to be on the show, make sure you check out ParamonUSA.com. That forwards over to our Facebook page. You can PM her and say, hey, I want to be on your show because i don't know who that grandpa guy is we also got scuba steve from paramotordude.com he also runs a paramotor or not kind of a paramotor vaping podcast on friday so check out paramotordude.com we also got jim from canada a eh? the only guy i know that has maple syrup smelling money and i went to canada earlier this year and guess what it really does smell like money check out carepp.com that is he is our official sponsor for the show carepp.com there's also a, a qr code right there on the screen zap that he says that you can get 10 off anything from carepp.com. Want to see his flying shenanigans? Go to careppg.com. And we also got Kevin. He is a student over at paramotorarkansas.com. He loves to fly, loves to kite. And now he's just kicking back and watching the show. So thank you very much, Kevin, for checking this out and hanging in the background. We also got Will Fly, Will Fly from willflyppg.com. He makes incredible videos. So check out Will Fly ppg.com subscribe hit that like button hit the bell notification because oh my gosh it is absolutely amazing but tonight is not about us tonight is all about ben ben raven man i tell you what on the pre-show we've been talking with you you still are on mute make sure that you get off a mute and uh he is over in italy right now from the uk not only does he paramotor, not only did he start doing his his private pilot license he's a commercial ballooner and was actually at the world world champion ballooning so ben welcome to the show buddy
2: Thank you. It's uh, really good to be on. Really happy to be here.
0: I it, I can't believe it's two o'clock in the morning. Just like Linda said, it's so bright out your window behind you, and you got a paramotor <laughs> stuck in time. That's so cool, man.
2: <laughs> it, yeah, this is one of my uh, one of my favorite photos from uh, from flying, but but that one.
3: That is, one, is that,
0: it's just, just parked right now. It's
3: just it's just parked. Yeah, yeah. You
0: got that nice. wind. Very very strong wind. Winds. Yeah. <laughs> that is awesome. So I know that everybody wants to learn more about you. So uh, real quick, Ben, tell us a little bit about yourself and how did you get into paramotoring?
2: Yeah, sure. So um, so my name Ben. I'm from the UK. Uh, I'm 28. Um, when I was in my last few years of school, um, I really wanted to become a commercial pilot. Um, and go and work for airlines. And I went along to a lot of the careers fairs. And I quickly realised that um, unless you had kind of banker mum and dad to help you out, uh, it was a very, very expensive endeavour. And you weren't necessarily guaranteed a job at the end of it. There weren't many airlines offering to front the cash. Um, and so that that dream kind of um, died for a few years and took a backseat in my brain. Um, I did. Uh, I moved on to an IT career instead and had a a very successful uh, IT career, working for some big companies, IBM and Accenture. Um, and I enjoyed that for a while, but that feeling of wanting to fly, wanting to get in the air um, never really left me. Um, I'd always have dreams of flying, um, and they were kind of the, the dreams where you just want to go back to sleep and carry on. Um, and one day I decided, right, enough's enough. I'm going to um, book a flying lesson and actually – see what it's like um, and just get my private license so I can fly friends and family and 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 maybe then progress very slowly up to getting a a commercial plane license Um, so I did that I started to learn to fly planes um, little Cessna 172s kind of four seat aircraft Uh, from the first flight I was totally addicted seeing the world from above flying along the coastlines uh, being above the clouds it was just something i I'd, I'd never experienced before um kind of how stunning it was how beautiful it was um but also the challenge of flying an aircraft i enjoyed all the technical checks i enjoyed talking to air traffic control um and there was this great feeling about seeing a runway in front of you and coming in and having that perfect landing um but during my time training to become a private pilot i realized it was it was very expensive um, it was about 200 and 20 uh 250 pounds a lesson so I think that's maybe 250 to 300 dollars something like that um and I could see that all I was really going to do is fly from airfield to airfield um and for me I kind of wanted a bit more adventure from flying um and I remember just being out on my bike one day and I saw this this guy fly overhead on uh on this fabric wing making a making a load of noise and I kind of looked up and just thought it was the coolest thing in the world um and I kind of looked up what it was when I got home and found out it was paramotoring um and I was like yeah do you know what I started watching a lot of videos um on YouTube some of the, uh, the uh the the big YouTubers um at the time Tucker uh Mitch G Kyle uh Kylo um and yeah just was like wow, this this seems amazing. And, and when I get interested in something, I go all in. I just watch every video there is uh, possible. And um, I booked onto a, a training course. I did my training over the winter, um, so I had lovely clear air. But also, there weren't many other students at the school because winter time is quite 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 a time of year. Um, so I was able to get my ground handling done really quickly and get my first few flights in. And I was totally hooked. I absolutely loved paramotoring. Um, I pursued paramotoring um, for years and years. I ended up um, doing some instructing on paramotors as well, um, traveling a bit around the country with friends. Um, I landed at a McDonald's for breakfast. I landed at a pub for lunch. I had to get a permission from a local airport to uh, land there because it was within their zone. Um, and I did a couple of, uh, camp out overnight, uh, with, with the paramotor and tents on board, um, and just absolutely loved it. Um, did some instructing, uh, teaching people to fly. And there was just this amazing feeling, um, watching somebody's life transform after that first flight, seeing them go from not being able to handle a wing at all, making all the mistakes that we all did when we started out, um to taking those first few steps, coming back and landing and, and getting that energy off of them when they, when they come back down and knowing that their life would never be the same, but they'd always be trying to get that, that fixed, to get back up in the sky. Um, so I really enjoyed that. Um, I started to try other types of paramotoring as well. So um, I got invited along um, to do some work with balloons. Um, some of you may be familiar with Grenade energy drinks, energy bars um they sponsored a hot air balloon in the uk that was shaped like a grenade really impressive when you saw it up in the sky great marketing tool um, and i got invited along for the day to help film a promo video on that and fly around it on a paramotor um let off smoke grenades for my legs all that kind of thing and um one of the things we we got which didn't make it to the video was i actually inflated the balloon uh, with the paramotor as well which i I don't know anyone that's that's done that before but it was uh it was really good fun
0: it's um, interesting that you said that one of my friends just texted me this last week and said hey uh somebody's going to be uh, doing a hot air balloon they don't have a fan i was going to use my yeah. motor so it seems like you got something started over there
2: yeah yeah you can do it um you don't the paramotor is too powerful though if you've got it on a hundred percent it it almost doesn't work so you have to put it on like 20 to 30 percent and then it works works a dream um but that was that was a really good fun day um and from that i got invited to um to a balloon event again to fly above the public um let off some smoke grenades from my legs and just fly around the balloons for for the weekend and see what it was all about um and i made friends there with some young pilots um i jumped in the basket a few times and i was like well this is this seems quite inconvenient like you need a team to come and pick you up and follow you in a vehicle and it's a lot of effort to get this thing set up and what's this about you don't know where you guys are gonna are gonna land you just follow the wind and uh, after a few flights i just got completely hooked on on how much of an adventure it was not knowing where you were gonna land um it was like every flight was a was a land out um and Sometimes you'd land in a, in a really great place, sometimes you'd land in a tricky place, but it was always really good fun um, and you'd meet people on the way and you get to share that experience as well. Prior to being in the basket and sharing the flight with passengers, I'd done some tandem flying as well, which we'll kind of talk about the differences later. But um, I kind of made a deal with those balloon friends I made. I said, uh, if you teach me to fly a balloon, I'll help you learn to fly a paramosa um and over the next year um every chance I got I'd drive around the country to wherever the good weather was I would jump in the basket with with my friends I'd help them I'd be crew and go and retrieve them wherever they landed and just every opportunity I, I got to meet new people in that world I would take it and and try and get up in the air and build my hours um I got my private license very quickly um and then Spoke with um, one of the operators, a big commercial operator in the UK, Virgin Balloon Flights. The same real, Virgin. Real
0: quick, real quick, Ben. Yeah. When you said you got your license, is that for
2: balloons, hot air balloons? Yeah. So private. So flying friends and family in in hot air balloons. Yeah.
0: Okay. So I, I'm not sure. I, I really don't know about hot air balloons, but uh, in the super chat, guys. Um, what do you know about uh, licensing for hot air balloons? Do you guys understand how that works? If so, please let, uh, let, let us know in the super chat. What do you know about uh, hot air balloons and licensing? And uh, real quick too, um, before before we go on a little bit further, uh, a lot of people want to know before you go into the hot air balloon part. What gear, paramotor wise, do you fly? What's your what's your go to? And that wing back there. Uh, is that a does it say solo is that a dudex solo is yeah that that's
2: what... a that's a dudex solo um, okay. there, and that's a parajet maverick so i started off on a roadster three um and i moved to the dudek solo uh absolutely loved the solo um i loved the maverick um i ended up progressing from that to getting a scout i had a scout one for a bit and then i got a scout i traded it up for a scout nxt um and i flew that with a Drift Air and a Hadron 3. Um, I've still got the NXT and I've still got the Hadron 3. Um, absolutely love those wings. Um, the Drift Air, every time I land, I have the biggest smile on my face. The Hadron is so confidence-inspiring in rough air, um, oh. particularly if you're wanting to get kind of foot drags in and precision flying in in um, over terrain where it might, you might have rotor. The Hadron is just the, an amazing wing for that. You, um, you
0: you spitted out a bunch of paramotors and wings how long you've been paramotoring did you say
2: uh i think
0: five years now Coming five, up to five years you yeah. guys in the super chat if you've been flying for five years have you gone through a lot of paramotors and wings i really want to know yeah hey sean yes
4: yeah the hot air balloon uh i mean it is a an actual license it's lighter than air which is a category of aircraft so uh just like you know fixed wing or uh craft it's an it's a separate category of aircraft so it's it's just as much a license as it you know my, my when i fly a single engine airplane except mine's a private pilot single engine land and his would be private pilot lighter than air i assume it's similar that's how it is in the u.s now ben i don't i'm assuming it's similar
2: um, yeah yeah absolutely so um, the license we actually get is for hot air balloons and airships so as you say yes lighter than air um, and similarly to to what you've got with the with the plane license you have your private level uh, commercial level and then you've got um things you can add on to that as well so um gas balloons like filled with hydrogen and things like that there are um yeah different ratings you can add
1: interesting
2: Different,
0: definitely interesting um hydrogen filled balloons uh, that's an add-on to your hot air if you wanted to and what what other things can you add on to a lighter than air uh i mean i i just think of like the zeppelin and hot air balloons what what are the hot air yeah uh, is that is so that- um uh,
2: when you get a hot air balloon license it's effectively a provisional license for an airship as well so you have hot air airships, which work like a hot air balloon, or you have flame that heats them up, and they get light and then go up. Um, and then you've got Zeppelin, Zeppelins, which can be filled with hydrogen or helium, so a gas that's naturally very lifty. Um, those are a, a separate rating you'd have to work towards and take exams for, um, and can be very expensive because there, there aren't many of those aircraft about, and they, um, they're very expensive to build.
0: Okay. Okay. I, I, like I said, guys, I love doing the show because every time we do the show, we learn something. Um, did you raise your hand, Jim?
5: I got a on? question. Has yes. anybody put a paramotor on a balloon yet?
2: I, I don't want to say it's a world first. Um, I've put a paramotor <laughs> in a balloon, so we didn't have any retrieve crew this particular day. So, um, we, I had a Parajet Maverick at the time. Um, I put it in the basket, not built, so disassembled. I had my wing on the side of the basket, and I flew with some friends at sunrise, um, and we landed. And then I built the paramotor. I took off. I flew back, uh, got the car, and then I came and picked up the balloon. So by 8 o'clock in the morning, I'd flew two different types of aircraft, and, um, and that, was a, that was an amazing, uh, amazing morning. Um, people crack. have tried putting the inflation fans on the side of a balloon, but the thing's a big sale, so it doesn't do anything so for like helping them steer. On the,
3: on the hot air balloons, are you under the mercy of the wind on where you have to land?
2: Absolutely. Yeah. So they are entirely um steered using the wind. Um it would, we'll touch more on it later, but um something you don't perhaps appreciate as much flying a paramotor is quite how much the wind can change when you are going up at different altitudes. Um, And even you might get tiny little bands of 50 to 100 feet that are going in a different direction to all the other winds. Um, And so in a hot air balloon, I'm trying to find these invisible layers to steer to where I want to go.
0: You use, um, I know that uh, Ryan Carlton is a good one for for winds aloft for hot air balloons. Um, Is there any particular ones that you check for winds aloft? Because, you know, paramotoring, that's pretty important to check is winds aloft.
2: Yeah. Um, Ballooning is is like that, but it takes it to the next level because you don't have that speed to get you out of trouble if you need to. So you need to know the wind speed and direction. Um, I tend to, in the area I fly, there are a lot of valleys. So I tend to check quite a few different apps. And build up a picture in my head of what they're all saying. So Windy tends to be very good. Um, Meteo Blue is another one. Um, The UK Met Office, the UK Forecasting Agency, again, provide um, forecasting tools we can use. Uh, Ventusky. Um, So yeah, I use quite a variety of tools and I find that um, some of them are better at particular um, things than others. So um, Ventusky is very good at precipitation and predicting where rain's going to fall. Um, Meteo Blue is very good at showing you what the wind's going to do in every valley. Windy's very good at predicting where fog's going to lie, things like that. Um, but that can change depending on which area in the country you're flying as well. So um, everywhere I go that's new, I have to kind of look at all these forecasts and then check what happens versus what I expected to happen.
1: Wow. I've got a question
4: uh, about, and it never ceases to amaze me. I fly out of a—it's a pretty busy little uncontrolled field, but quite often I'll see the same balloon land there. Yeah. Uh, so, how difficult is it? I mean, that's to me really amazing that you can take off from somewhere, and I, it's obviously they are—they're planning to land there. I mean, that's like, yeah. how hard is that to get just right?
2: Um. In- incredibly um, it, it's, it takes a lot of skill so balloons are very very easy to fly right? You, it's one control you put hot air in and it goes up you leave it, let it cool down and it, and it comes down um, to be able to steer it accurately um, takes a lot of skill and takes a lot of experience um, now certain parts of the world you'll have more steering as you climb um, so Certainly in the morning, you find that uh, the wind on the ground will be going more to the left. As you climb, it'll be going more to the right. So if you imagine your takeoff spot and a cone coming out from it, that's kind of the limits of where you can go. And you'll be using the winds to kind of zigzag towards your target. Um, now, if they're always planning to land there, it may be that, that area has quite consistent winds. It's always going across that way. Uh, It may be that there's a valley, and so they can actually stay within the flow of the valley down to the airport. Um, But very often, um, and again, it depends on where you're flying, very often um, you won't know where you're going to land. and That's part of the fun of it, is is every single flight is different. I've never had two the same. Um, Even when I've landed at the same place, I take very different paths to get there. Um, Sometimes I I want to land at a particular farmer because I know he's really friendly. But I might have to um, I might have to go to 5,000 foot one day to get there, and on the next day I might be able to fly there at 100 foot. Um, so it, it varies. You can only do so much with the forecast. The rest is just on the day figuring out what the winds are doing.
0: That is crazy. Scuba, do you have a question for Ben?
3: I do. So Ben, I don't know if you have a, a spouse, a wife, a significant other. Um, I'm just wondering, do you get in trouble for how much you mention flying, paramotoring, ballooning, etc., <laughs> etc.? Cetera, et cetera? Like, like, do you go somewhere and go, man, this would be a great place to take off, and then get in trouble for it? Because <laughs> I know it happens to me. <laughs> I,
0: think it, I think it happens to a lot of people. You
2: know, it's been frozen. Oh, uh, now he's back. There he is. Did you Sorry, miss? All I'm, that? I'm back. I. I briefly lost signal. You can blame the you can blame the Italian Alps for that. Um, was that asking if I have trouble from a, a wife or a partner? Uh, for, right. For doing a lot of flying. Was that no, well, just, just talking.
0: Just talking about talking it over about,
3: time. Yeah. <laughs> talking about flying. You know, like you go somewhere and you're like, "Man, I wish I could fly from here." <laughs> you get in trouble for yeah. stuff like that.
6: Who so uh,
3: really
5: uh, wants to know if you're single. <laughs> yeah. You <know,
2: so> <laughs> so uh I am single um definitely when I first started to fly like uh almost all my conversations to friends and family were just revolving around flying and like you're driving in the car and you're like oh that's a really good field to take off from and oh I'd love to go and fly there and oh look at this bit of coast that'd be fun to put drag along and um yeah I can I can definitely sympathize uh with with my friends and and your friends having to uh, having to listen to us and and not quite understanding why we're so so passionate about it.
3: Yeah, they they always go. Does everything have to be about flying? Because you can be talking about a peanut butter sandwich, and then you're like, man, if I would get some wings on that, you know.
0: Yeah, just, if I was up just... at five thousand feet, I bet I could make a peanut butter and jelly sandwich <laughs> right? there and eat it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
2: I've uh, I've got a. It's a very. This is perhaps more British than a peanut butter sandwich. Um, I've uh, I've got a photo um, of me flying tandem, serving my friend in front a cup of tea in the air, um, which was uh, which was quite a good one. We went up and uh, and did that. that. That is like so British.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: that is awesome. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, yeah. Will will fly. Is there uh, another uh, question in the super chat?
4: Uh, there was uh, Bill H says he follows you on Instagram. So you got, I guess, uh, an avid group of people that follow you. That's pretty cool, man. Wow. Awesome. Yeah, I, I follow you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and we're friends on Facebook. So, right on.
2: Yeah.
4: Hey, can you uh, can you fly a balloon at night?
2: you can yes um so there is a night rating um when you get your commercial license the night rating kind of gets in, included but I wouldn't want to fly one without doing it first with someone that that knew how right um the short answer is that for a hot air balloon you use a use a lot more gas at night because there's not as much solar um uh, energy heating the balloon so you use a lot more gas to keep it in the air um obviously it's very bright as well um so you're using red lights in the basket to be able to look at your maps and things like that um when you're coming into usually you'd take off at night and land in the day if you could if you did have to land at night you'd be looking at google maps checking for big fields and power lines and then when you're getting really close you'd be using the burner to kind of light up the ground so it'd be very very challenging um you can do it um There are races across Europe every year where they use these um, hydrogen filled balloons that I spoke about earlier, where they're airborne for two or three weeks and they travel thousands of miles um, at really high altitude, um, day and night. uh, And they will just go up and sit there um, and then they'll let the gas out when they want to come down. Um, Wow. Yeah.
4: And cool. I can
2: imagine they, so they were airborne, like it, a human was, or was it a no, man? No, manned. So usually it's a two or three people in the basket. Um, yeah. Up up there for a couple of weeks. A um, couple of weeks up
0: there yeah. in a basket. I know there's a bunch of questions about how in the world did you use the bathroom? <laughs>
2: <laughs> um, <laughs> I, I personally haven't, haven't done one of those flights, but I think you get pretty familiar with your, uh, with your co pilots when,
0: when you're doing yeah. one of those flights, I bet. So, if it's a blue sky and all of a sudden it starts to rain, there's a paramotor or there's a hot air balloon, we know what's going on. Be
1: the
2: balloon. <laughs>
0: <Yeah>. <laughs> Paul Marzano said, Ever drop a skydiver from a balloon?
2: Oh, not yet. <laughs> I thought not you were going to say really-
0: something
3: else. <laughs>
0: you ever drop a? I was like oh
3: no he's not going there okay. Did you ever drop
0: a deuce no
3: <laughs> i couldn't even imagine hanging over the basket to do that that uh, no i would be scared
0: to death
5: they get practice in, in those castles that's how they used to go right it's just stick it out over the edge and well go. it's
0: yeah, wicker right. right i mean wicker just leaks water anyways right
2: yeah, um, is great because it's super, <laughs> it's lightweight, but it's super strong. Um, yeah. And something, so in a paramotor, right, you'd, you might want to foot drag some water. In a balloon, we call it a splash and dash. So we'll come down, we'll touch down on the water and we'll take off again. Um, really good fun. Um, but the great thing about wicker is if you do come down a bit deep and the basket starts to get a bit of water in it, it's all going to drain out. Um, so it's a it's a great material for baskets.
7: Oh my gosh, I, I I never heard of that. Yeah, it's like doing a little touch and go in the water.
2: Yeah, yeah, oh. splash and dash.
7: Splash, oh, what do they call it? Yeah. Splash and what?
2: Splash, splash and, and dash. dash.
7: Splash. Yeah. I actually
4: saw I, saw I saw saw a balloon do that for the first time before I knew that that was something that a balloon could do. Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> that was pretty impressive you know yeah it's just like what you say they just come down touch the water and
1: right back
7: yeah. up i oh my gosh i don't know if, if i was in that hot air balloon i might like <laughs> i like i might just like bail out <laughs> oh we're going down okay bye <laughs> So
0: there's, there's there's not much of a chance of landing and not be able to get back up though because you got so much hot air up there i mean you can't really sink right i mean there's is that is that even a possibility?
2: Um, if you're touching down on water, yes. As soon as you touch down on the water, the water supports the weight of the balloon. So, so for the balloon to go up, all it needs to, to be is, um, let me rephrase this: the balloon's very heavy, right? So, the balloon I fly with twelve passengers in it can be about two and a half tons. Wow. When I start putting heat in it, it will eventually get to the point where it weighs a couple of kilos and you could lift it up with your little finger. Um, to go up, it effectively weighs negative weight. So it's, it's got so much lift in it, it's wanting to go up that two and a half tons. It's got more than two and a half tons pulling it upwards. When you touch down on water, um, you'll be descending, but you won't be descending very quick. So the balloon's kind of weight is only a couple of kilos. So when it touches down the water, the water will support it and it will just float for a while. If you held it there for ages and you let the balloon get really cold, then it would start to get heavier and heavier and it would want to sink. But, um, yeah, they're, they're crazy things when you think about it like that. These, these very heavy objects can float in the sky you know and can literally
1: carry them.
3: What's them. so ironic is if you bring anything that even resembles a grenade to the airport, they will string you alive. But yet he <laughs> flies a balloon that looks like a grenade.
2: Yeah, but the the other thing is you've got got big gas tanks in with you, and each one of those is effectively a a bomb, so. Wow. uh...
4: (laughs) That's a huge basket that it must be. I mean, the envelope must be, like, really big.
2: Yeah, it's about 10. The one that I fly commercially is about 10 stories high. Um, It's absolutely huge. The basket is um, the size of uh, kind of a small van. Uh, in terms of its footprint um, and they go bigger than that as well they, they go um, really large some of the ones flying out in dubai where they're landing in the desert they can hold like 32 people they are obscenely big balloons that um, is
0: crazy and i'm sorry that i interrupted you last time be- before you started talking about getting into being a commercial balloon pilot going back to the paramotor so uh please uh continue where you left off way back there about uh, getting your commercial balloon pilot and and the fun that you've been doing that too.
5: Actually, yeah. i it. one quick question though about okay. you're able to fly balloons at night. Are you able to fly paramotors at night?
1: There's a gray
2: area in UK law, um, gliders, are allowed to fly at night because they have events where they can ridge saw on hills and use overnight winds to stay stay aloft during endurance races so there's a grey area in that a paramotor could be classed under that category and therefore could could legally fly at night um would i do it y- yes probably would i put it on social media probably not um <laughs> I would really like to, to do a night flight, um, particularly under moonlight when you can, can see a lot. Um, I think that would be really good fun. Um, but it doesn't happen very often in the UK. Um, over here, we've got much smaller fields, lots of hedges, lots of animals. So you'd have to pick your, your spots quite carefully to actually go and do um, a night flight. Interesting. Thank you.
0: All right, so, Scuba, um, yeah. Scuba, Scuba Steve actually said, "What's the furthest you ever flown, uh, kilometers and time?" I guess you're talking about
2: yeah, hot
3: air balloon. I think is what Jade's asking. Yeah, what's the farthest you've flown in a hot air balloon?
2: So time? Me, me personally, um, maybe 40 kilometers in a balloon. Um, it all depends on the wind speed. So the faster the wind, the further you're going to go. Uh, if you carry more gas, so if you carry two hours worth of gas. Versus one hour, you can travel twice as far in the same wind. So um, there is an event in the UK every year. It's in October. Um, It's called the Long Jump. And what we try and do is fly the furthest distance within the United Kingdom. Um, And a couple of years ago, somebody flew from Scotland right in the north down to Cornwall, right in the south, um, maybe 700 miles uh, without landing. Um, So you need lots of gas for that. Uh, You need a balloon that's going to be very efficient. Um so you can stay airborne for longer um, and you also need a lot Things of luck have to as be well just
4: right too right say again winds have to be just right too i would imagine
2: yeah definitely particularly with with the uk where it's an island you don't want to be getting pulled out to sea yeah um, that can be quite scary if you're over mainland europe then crack on carry on flying <laughs> until there's a storm but uh yeah in the uk you've got to be quite careful
5: what about employers? Got, um, what's the furthest you've flown
2: The furthest I've flown, uh, about 40 kilometers. So not not too far, but about 40 kilometers. That's Most of my flights tend to be about an hour long because I'm flying passengers commercially. So I take them up for the experience and do about an hour's flight. So,
0: How how about paramotors? What's the furthest you've flown on a paramotor? Good question.
2: Um, maybe, Maybe 60, 70 miles okay um so yeah a bit a bit further for me paramotoring i i'd like to do a long a very long distance um flight at some point um but a lot of my flying has just been to get to get rid of the stress of the it job i'd go up and get in that cool air and look at the views and clear my head for a while and just just free fly without any kind of agenda of oh i want to go here or go there i'd i'd see a cool thing i'd fly and go and look at it i'd put drag through some fields and then from that it's a lot of that kind of flying
0: all right it is uh about seven thirty right now uh we got about a half an hour left so uh please continue about getting your commercial or how do you get a commercial balloon license i'm very intrigued
2: yeah sure um So step back quickly, like to get your private license in the UK, um, you need 16 hours. So not not many hours. A couple of those need to be with an instructor and then you've got to sit um, a load of theory exams as well. So on the air law, on the weather, on navigation uh, and on the balloon itself. Um, Then you do your check flight with an examiner, um, send off all your application and you get your license back. Um, for your commercial license, it's much more in-depth. Um, you need 70 hours, um, and you have to go and sit uh, much more complicated theory exams. Um, we go and sit them with the Civil Aviation Authority, the CAA. For you guys, it would be the FAA. Um, we actually go to their offices, and we sit those exams. And those exams are very similar to if you were going to go and fly a jet. Um, it's much, much more involved. Um you have to build your hours. You have to have a minimum amount of hours. Um, and then again, you have um, uh, an exam flight with an instructor. And you're tested on um, your skills of flying the balloon, um, your control of the situation as well. So if you've got passengers roaming around, crew doing things, you've got to make sure that people are in the right place and you're not. no one's being endangered by being too close when you're setting up or if the balloon's moving around. Um, we are checked on those skills every single year. So um, unlike the private license, where you just have to keep up a minimum amount of hours each year, every single year, I have to have my skills tested by an examiner to make sure that I'm still safe, prepared for emergencies, et cetera, et cetera. Um, I also have to have medical. Um, at the moment, it's every five years. When I get a bit older, that'll become more frequent, but um, we do have medicals as well to make sure that we're, um, we're good to fly. Okay, and, and how many
0: passengers do you normally bring with you commercially, balloon-wise?
2: Yeah, so for me, it's 12 passengers. It's the second biggest size we've got in the UK, and the biggest being 16 seat. Um, and it's a very, very big balloon. Um, big balloons are very different to fly to small ones. Um, they take a lot, more, um, a lot more anticipation. It's a lot more weight coming out the sky, so it takes a lot longer to, to listen to what you're asking it to do. Um, and again, we're checked every year on the size of balloon we're flying as well when we're at that commercial level. It's a bit like going from a small jet to one with four engines, like a 737 to an A380. It's similar kind of uh, ratings, group ratings.
0: Do you have to have like uh, hearing protection up there? Is that uh, gas? Is that burner really
2: loud? It's noisy. Um I put hearing protection when the fans are running. So when we're inflating the balloon, we use um, two massive fans to fill it up with cold air. Um, When they're running, I do put hearing protection in. And then when I'm putting the burner on, at the the very start, when you're getting the balloon hot and you're standing it upright, there's a lot of noise from the burner. So I do have hearing protection in. As soon as I get the passengers in, it's just light burns to top it up. I take the hearing protection out. um, And it's important that you... Can hear things in flight so if a tank was leaking gas slightly you'd want to be able to hear that hissing um if a passenger was asking you questions or was becoming ill you'd want to be able to to hear that so um during the flight don't wear any
0: okay i didn't know if it was like you know a four-seater airplane where everybody wore headsets and microphones
2: no um for the most part ballooning is very quiet you know when the burn is on um you're not really you know you're not able to speak to people because it's noisy um but 70 percent of the flight uh it's perfectly peaceful and you can hear everything um one thing that surprised me when i got in a balloon was uh dogs dogs bark at balloons they will bark at paramotors as well just we can't hear them on a paramotor because we've got the engine behind our head um but if you even if you're thousands of foot high, you can hear them from the ground as clear as if they were next to you because the noise just um travels unobstructed up up to you, so you can hear everything on the ground,
0: kind of like when butch fly goes, I can fly like a bird. Everybody can hear from him being a thousand feet in the air doing a paramount yeah That's yeah
2: what yeah, um, yeah, I often um, shout that if I'm flying over like a village or something um i'll often shout down anybody got any idea how to land this thing and then i'll, <laughs> I'll
6: uh i turn
2: to my passengers and go oh, i'm only joking i looked at a youtube video last night and they'll all giggle
0: <laughs> oh that is so cool Butch! i know what we're yeah. going to be doing next time
2: <laughs>
1: does
0: anybody know
2: how huh? <laughs> <laughs> well, go go yeah. shout down hey, can you throw me up a beer or something like that yeah. <laughs>
0: oh my gosh that is gonna be so funny uh real quick in the super chat you guys out there uh, have you ever uh said something from your paramotor down to somebody on the ground and if you did did they hear you what do you think about that um that that is so funny i I, butch was the first time i ever heard saying i'm flying like a bird and i could hear him from a thousand feet up when he was flying i'm like that's really cool i didn't know you could do that
1: yeah
0: and, um, and saying does anybody know how to land this thing has got to be the most hilarious thing i think of yeah. in a long long time yeah.
2: no it always it always gets a chuckle from the passengers and the people on the ground. i like doing that one
1: oh <laughs> i usually
2: so, no, yell down
1: How good I don't think I've shouted
2: down too much from a paramotor. I mean, when when I was instructing, I would go up and test the air in the evenings to make sure the thermals had died down. And very often I'd shout down to the other instructors, no, the air is terrible or something like that, and then come into land. Or, um, yeah, I don't don't think I've ever really, uh, yeah, I don't think I've shouted down to people. Uh, maybe I have actually. I think one time I want to land and land at, um, uh, like in a garden or a green or something like that. And I'd shout out, Oh, can I land here? And everyone was like, Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then I'd come around and, and come in. But it's much, much more difficult on a paramode. You've got to make sure that engine's quiet. Yeah, yes, yes, yes. True.
0: Scooby um, Steve, so any other questions in the super chat?
5: Um, yeah.
3: Tony was asking, How much gas do you usually use when you fly the balloon?
2: But how much is a lot? Um, a lot. <laughs> it goes to about a liter on the, on a medium-sized balloon, it's about a liter of gas every minute. um so sixty minutes, sixty liters. in a big hot air balloon, like the one I fly, it's closer to a liter and a half, two liters um, every minute. So um I use good lord, yeah, kind of hundred and twenty to hundred and fifty liters of gas um, every That's flight. a lot of weight. Just
1: it's a it's
3: a
0: lot name. of weight,
1: yeah. Well, so propane
0: What kind of propane. How much how much is propane a liter over there now?
2: I think we're paying about 50 pence a liter at the moment. So what's that 60, 70 cents like that. Okay. Um, yeah, about really that Do they
1: yeah. Have, um, just a
7: quick question. Um how many different size baskets, like, do they have out? You know, for um, you know, the hot air balloons, like, and how how many people, up to how many people, can they hold? You know, like, what is the maximum or whatever that?
2: Yeah, it's a really good question. the The smallest size is effectively like a paramotor and a balloon. Yeah. Um, so it's basically <laughs> just a chair it, it's a it's a chair and then you have a gas tank on your back and a hot air balloon above you and you you burn like that so you're literally same set up as a paramotor um you get very very small baskets for one to two people um and then literally every size you can imagine up to kind of thirty two people where you have a pilot in the middle and then your passengers in in four kind of sections either side of you um there was an attempt a a few years back to make a double decker basket so one basket here and a the basket there so they could stack twice as many people uh, oh, they wow. quickly realized it was a bad idea because the pilot had a really bad sense of, of how low the basket was uh, the first basket was below him and so uh, the people in the bottom basket would get a much harder landing than expected so that idea didn't last very long
7: um, yeah that would be that would be crazy and then the the how heavy are are those balloons and um you yeah. have to buy a certain, you have to obviously just like a paramount, you have to buy the wing to fit what you're gonna be yeah. flying, right? So there's probably like hundreds of different size balloons and yes. How much are they too? Are I, I bet they're really expensive? You have to buy do you uh, do you have to buy them separate? You buy the basket and then you buy the yeah. balloon, or do you buy it all together?
2: Um you can buy it all together, um new from manufacturer or secondhand. Um, but a lot of people will buy kit separately um uh, the the fabric part of the balloon wears out much quicker so it gets uv damage the same as a paramotor wing does so that wears out a lot quicker so you'll find that a lot of the baskets will be older um than the fabric and the fabric will get changed over um the there's there's a few main parts of the balloon there's the fabric part there's the basket there's the burner um, and then there's the gas tanks um, in with you as well. Um, the way the burners are set up, um, almost always you'll have two of them. Um, and that's in case you have a problem. Obviously in a car, you, if you break down, you can pull over at the side of the road. In a paramotor, you can glide down and land in a field. Um, in a balloon, you'd still want to be able to land in a controlled manner. and Make sure you get to a field. so um... <laughs> So we have uh, two two engines effectively that we fly on and they're both alive uh, the whole flight. So if we ever had a problem with one or had a problem with any part of the fuel system feeding it, we just shut it off and land on the other one.
7: Oh, and you always have like a buddy on the ground, like with a radio pretty much, or do you have them in the car, you know, or they drive like in the truck or whatever and just follow you along?
2: Yeah, so like, almost always there's somebody following us um, in a vehicle. Um, Sometimes you're not able to find somebody to come and drive. Um, that's never stopped me from flying. So I, I'll launch, um, fly, land and maybe get a taxi back. Um, when we were out here flying in Italy, uh, I bought an electric scooter and I'd send the passenger back on the electric scooter while I packed away the balloon. And They'd get the vehicle and come back. Um, and so if there's, if there's a way to fly, I will fly even if I haven't got a, got a ground crew. I like wow. it that much. <laughs> and bring your own
0: paramotor so you can fly back i like that too
2: exactly paramotor retrieve that's uh yeah it's a great way to do it as well
4: That'd make an awesome video Ben.
2: yeah yeah definitely um we some friends and i we started a, a youtube channel a few years ago called the sky rascals um we chose the word rascals because it was kind of had this sense of fun and at the time, we had this feeling that there were a lot of, um, of people in the sport that um, if anybody did anything fun, there would be lots of complaints on the internet and keyboard warriors on Facebook. And so with the Sky Rascals, the idea was to be having these really um, fun adventures, but doing it in a, in a really safe way and doing it properly. Um, and we used to take off and fly to these um, amazing unknown places um we had some underground caves an abandoned airfield an old nuclear base here in the uk Um, we just land and explore and it was kind of an an adventure channel um it's something we're going to pick up again doing and i'd like to get the balloon involved in that as well um but we took a break um there's a few of us in the group and lives got complicated for a little bit but something we'd like to revisit i think that is very, really very cool. Oh, there we are. Yeah, Sky Rascals. Sky yeah. R-
7: I like that Sky Rascals.
2: Yeah, yeah, that's
4: yeah,
6: awesome.
4: <laughs> yeah, so that's,
7: Very catchy name. It.
4: Yeah, now you see this is this is proof. I subscribed.
1: <laughs> <laughs> uh, there <laughs> we nice. go. Yeah.
7: Very cool. Yeah. That is it's so just that, cool. That Thank you for
1: that are we gonna do a thumbnail? Yeah. I always have to do a thumbnail. Yes,
7: yeah, so we do our thumbnail. So then I can uh, put on Facebook next week.
4: <laughs> Are you ready? Yep. One, one, two, three. Yeah, okay, let's do one more because uh,
1: <clears throat> hold on. Sorry. All right. One,
4: two, three. We got it.
0: Excellent.
1: Um, (laughs)
3: <laughs> i want to go to canada because sean said canada smells like money earlier so i'm
0: just no <laughs> maybe exactly what that. you said replay yeah, he did
4: say that but i think he I was like money okay syrup. okay my
0: bad so i'm like right, well, where's the maple? money
1: <laughs> yeah all right
0: it smells like maple syrup money i'm sorry i just think of money as maple syrup my bad so you know just want to
3: go where the money is that's all
0: log the grandpa when he says something wrong up here
4: No, I was thinking the exact same thing, man. Show me the way to Canada.
0: (laughs) Everything smells like money. (laughs)
7: That's so so fun.
0: So so real quick, want to give a shout out. uh, We have uh, uh, Chris joined the live audio through Podbean. And I think that uh, Will Fly has a couple of people to say hello to that's been following us on the Super Chat.
4: Yeah man, we got uh Butchfly in the house, Bill H, Scuba Steve, Jim hey, yeah. Care, PPG Simpsomard. Said it right, Jim. Will fly. Yeah. Kramer, Tony Marzano, Hi, Kramer. Cliffy V, Kevin Houston, One Wheel, Grandma, what's up, Susan? City Fly, Shane's, yeah. Paul Marzano, Lyft Paramotor, it's Mr. Going on Vegas. Off. Flying Flamingo, Deweese Milstead, and my
7: girls. Yes. Love John Wayne
4: is in the house.
7: Much love.
4: Yeah, we of course, Don
1: Silence.
0: Yeah, I'm here too. That we met so uh, cool. Kramer over at the uh, Fly In, and uh, that was pretty good. She, she signed our Clear Prop TV flag. I signed her a book. Butch did too. It was really awesome meeting Very cool. Kramer. Yep. Yeah. yeah. We saw Bill H over there too and hung out. I wish that we could hang out. out. I wish we would have been able to hang out more. Um, We only stayed there for one day because we had so much stuff going on at the school. So we made a long, long, long drive to stay there one day and come back. But we saw a lot of people had a really good time. I did a kiting war and um, uh, some young kid beat me. (laughs) Remember that much?
8: Young, yeah. young they changed the rules at the who, end.
0: Who who beat grandpa? Uh
8: what was his name? Oh, Judson Graham. <laughs> Judson
3: Graham kicked uh-huh. grandpa's butt. <laughs> it looked like they were beating you for real with those dominator wings. They were like trying to sabotage y'all. <laughs>
8: yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, at at the the drive there, said, oh, no touching no touching don't be touching or don't don't go over there and hurt you know hit somebody and then at the end they were all slamming into each other <laughs> well it's a kiting war it's what you do it's man. a
4: kiting
0: war <laughs> there's no there's no rules in the war apparently so you know
4: I can't stand hey, how long how long did it take you to go uh to eft sean
0: um, it was a six-hour drive if we didn't stop for gas and stretch our legs. So it was about eight hours, you know, for old people like us.
4: <laughs> yeah. Eight hours for one day. That's a
7: Which commit. is like, speak for yourself. Eight hours
0: eight hours <laughs> one way, eight hours back.
1: Dang, man.
0: But um, we had a great time. Meta- oh, Rain was there. Rain, rain was oh, our, rain our rain next-door camper neighbor.
8: Brian Hummer from Kangook, America. Yeah.
0: Yeah,
5: EFD um, is only one day.
0: No, 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 that's all we could do. Leo Leo was there. Um, he does the spray painting and stuff over Wichita yep. spray paints. Um, that was really cool. Met a whole bunch of people there. Uh, Woody Hayes's um son met him and his girlfriend, oh, nice. and Woody's um girlfriend. Uh, really, really, really nice, and just so glad I met up with them. Um, yes. just
6: Freaking amazing
0: people. Yeah, everybody yeah. over there was just amazing. We had so much fun. And um, um, Ron from uh, Lone Star was there, too. Cool.
4: Uh, was Rain there? Huh? Rain? Yes. She's really Rain nice. Who? Scott Rain. Rain. Yeah,
0: Rain, that's who we're talking about. Rain was our extra neighbor.
8: She was right oh. next to us. Yeah. yeah. Oh,
4: your neighbor. Okay, you can't like where you camp. Um Scott yeah. Starbuck said they did a good job with the
8: dominators. Yes. Oh yeah. They did. Yeah. Smack Smacked around
0: pretty good. Yep. Um Very cool.
8: yeah. Who else Very was good.
0: there? There was there a bunch of people. Um Trevor Steele was yeah. there. He was in his cast and was tooling around in his little uh um wheelchair. wheelchair doing wheelies. Pretty cool. Yeah, a lot of great people. Wish that we were able to be there uh, for the whole whole time. Uh, Landon was there um who else cool.
8: uh, just just the hell on wheels that sean dude
0: oh yeah yeah sean and his wife uh hell on wheels on youtube yeah they were across the street from us yep. um oh jb was there with his family yep. jb and i know that i'm missing some more people and i apologize Star this Parameter. is grandpa brain sorry so yeah, I, they I, I were there. Forget.
7: grandpa brain
0: <laughs> oh, man, I tell you what, uh, we, we normally are working on our nonprofit from 4 o'clock in the morning to 10 o'clock in the night yes. The driving. It's been crazy. So um, thank you, everybody that's been uh, watching. Uh, everybody yes. The Super chat. Uh, we still got about uh, eight minutes or so talking with Ben Raven uh, from the UK, but is over in Italy. So what are you doing over in Italy? Sounds like you're having fun over there.
2: Yeah, um the weather in the UK has been pretty terrible for months, just constant low pressures uh, hitting the country. Um now I'm I'm booked to fly every morning and every evening if the weather's good. I've Got passengers for it, but um if the weather's clearly really bad, um I like to try and get a holiday um within the season. Um and so I was I was laying in bed one night looking at the forecast, thinking this is terrible. This was about half 11 at night. Um and I saw a flight out to Italy, um, leaving at 6am. And so I booked it, I drove to the airport, and I flew straight out here. Um, it's one of my favourite parts. It's a um, little hilltop town called Mondavi. It's um, kind of the ballooning hub of Italy. Um, it's close to Turin. Um, and it's surrounded by the Alps. So it's a stunning place to fly. Um, the Alps hold off a lot of the weather as well. So um it's a for the most part it's a really good place to get flights there's maybe 300 flyable days in the year um sometimes more so it's a it's a really good area um but yeah i'm um i am happy as well to um, to carry on uh, i know it's late here but yeah i'm more more than happy to carry on if there's questions and things like that <clears throat> Okay, well, yeah. I, uh, yeah.
0: I, I, I see your Instagram, um, but I don't see a lot of updates. Is there something that you update uh, often as far as your flying paramotors
2: and? Yeah. Um, I put the occasional Instagram um, story up. Um, I don't update it as much as I used to. Um, there was a period of time where I was trying to be a bit more private in terms of what I was putting online. Um, but now I'm kind of in a space where I can I can carry on and, and post more stuff and it's something I'd like to do definitely more of um, of my flying activities with with the balloons with remotes in the UK um, I'm based in a part of the UK um, known as the Lake District um, really stunning bit of the country with with mountains and lakes so it's a it's a great place to um, to get some good photos when you're flying above it. Do you mostly take pictures or video or both? Um, Or are you the type of
0: guy that does a lot of video and screenshots or pictures like I do?
2: Yeah, mostly photos now. Um, Mm -hmm. A few years ago, particularly when we were doing the the YouTube channel, um, I was very much into um, videography um, and editing and making YouTube videos. I absolutely love that. Um, it's something where I've been focusing really hard on getting my licenses and and getting my foot in the door of the commercial world. I haven't done much of, but now that I'm there, it's something I can I can do more of in the in the coming kind of months.
1: Um, yeah. Right. Um, real real
0: quick, um, I know that there's probably more questions, but what is the temperature of that hot air balloon on the inside? And I believe that you guys let the valve open on the top to go down which gives a big hot air shot shot up above it which is why paramotors should never fly over uh hot air balloons and you also said too that there's a huge difference between hot air ballooning and paramounting can you tell us uh, the difference between all that
2: yeah of course um so we'll start with the first uh question The, the internal temperature of a balloon can be Um, on average it's about 100 degrees the air inside the balloon Um, it can go up to about 120 Um, there is a little piece of uh, fabric a flag inside the balloon it's held in with a piece of uh, metal solder and so if the balloon gets too hot that melts it comes down hits you on the head and then you have to get the balloon inspected to make sure there wasn't any damage caused but anywhere from kind of 100 to 120 degrees would be our normal operating range for the for the balloon. So
3: technically uh,
2: you could put a
3: GoPro inside the balloon filming down then, if it's only 100 yes. degrees.
2: Okay. Yeah. Oh, well, that's 100, uh, 100 degrees Celsius. 100 degrees yeah, Celsius. Oh, Celsius. Oh, technically Celsius. I wouldn't yeah. put a GoPro in. There. Yeah, it might be a bit <laughs> might be a bit toasty. <laughs> maybe uh in a maybe in a water diving case or something. That darn um. Celsius. That I was like, oh, <laughs> never mind
3: then. So, oh, what God. is
0: what is a hundred to a hundred and twenty degrees Celsius in uh, you know American that can't do Celsius?
3: Hey Ziggy, what is a hundred Celsius in Fahrenheit? One hundred degrees
7: Celsius
3: is two hundred twelve degrees Fahrenheit. Did you
6: hear that? Yeah, that yeah thats not is right. isn't that, that
0: isn't isn't that boiling water temperature too? Yeah, yeah, pretty much. <laughs>
2: yeah. so it's an interesting point if if the balloon is wet or there's rain light rain um it just kind of steams off the top of the balloon um heavy rain is a problem for us because it cools it down and we'd have to land there's
3: no steel cables or anything in the balloon right i'm just wondering if it's like a lightning magnet i don't think you fly in that no there's
2: um it's the top half the top part is all fabric there's like kevlar lines inside and riggings and ropes um, there's no metal work. At, at the very bottom, there's steel cables that come down to the basket. And then the basket's got a metal frame within it. But aside from that, oh, no, yeah. be fine with lightning. Um, you asked um, Sean, about the the vent at the top. Yeah. So there's a, a big disc on the top of the balloon. For those that have ever flown above one, you'd have, you'd have seen it. A big disc in the top. Um, we call that the parachute. Um now, for most of the flight, that is sealed in with hot air um, and it makes a really good seal. There's not much air that comes out of that um, and that's, that's held in. If we want the balloons to come down, we can either let it cool down naturally and it will kind of go into a gentle descent. Uh, if I want to make it drop really quickly, so I might be above the field I want to land in. But I know if I descend too slowly, the winds below me are going to push me away from it. Uh, I might open that vent up, let some air out and then the balloon's going to drop really, really quickly down to the ground. As I get close to the ground, I'm going to start putting that heat back in to level it out. Um, Everything you do in a balloon, even if you're just flying straight and level, um, takes 15 to 20 seconds to take effect. In a big balloon, like the commercial ones I'm flying, it can take anywhere up to 90 seconds um, or more for the balloon to react. So if I'm wanting to contour, fly over the tops of trees and down the other sides or Uh, If I'm landing in a field that's going up or going down, um, I'm having to fly so so much further ahead. What's
3: the maximum climb rate of a balloon like that? I mean, does it have
2: speed? Small balloons, racing balloons, um, they can go up and down at 1,500 to 1,800 feet a minute, so really quickly. Um, Yeah. What's that, Eight, eight meters per second, six to eight meters per second, something like that. Um, so they can, they can do really fast ascents. The big ones, um, it's effectively a, a much bigger parachute. It's got a lot more surface area. Mm. So my big balloon only do a 1,000 foot a minute down. Um, but that's still that's still a lot. They can they can really move. And you can be a, a few thousand feet above a field you want to land in, and you can drop right down and get it. Um, so it's very different to flying a paramotor in terms of how you approach and land fields. You have much more options for getting into them.
0: It's interesting. How quickly can you go up in altitude with a balloon? What's your fastest ascent rate?
2: Um, my big balloon, a thousand foot a minute. The smaller mm-hmm. balloon is about fifteen hundred feet a minute.
0: And that's so why really quick. that's why paramotors should not ever ever fly over a hot air balloon because yeah, you never, never
2: go ever it. go above a balloon. Um, if the pilot puts heat in, they can shoot up really quickly. Um, again, with the vent, if the pilot does open that vent, it will. Release a bubble of hot air. Um, it'll be a different density, and if you fly through it, you'll get a collapse. It will, uh, it will seriously affect you. So you do not want to fly above a balloon. Just um, remember, scuba—that's two hundred degrees Fahrenheit. <laughs> oh yeah, no, it would something. It's, not, it's not not a hundred degrees Fahrenheit. You want to be particularly careful as well. If there, if a balloon has just landed in a field, you do not want to fly above that field because the balloon is likely about to then to deflate. Um, also, if there's a load of balloons taking off in a field, um, if there's enough of them, they can create their own thermal because there's lots of burners going, lots of fans going, and there's lots of radiant heat coming off the balloon. So if there's loads inflating and stacked in a field, you don't really want to go directly over the top because the air will be quite unstable.
0: Interesting. Now, since you do both paramotors and balloons, help us all understand the etiquette of flying around a balloon with a paramotor. Because we see people flying yeah. around the balloon, we think it's neat, but I know that balloons want to be, you know, silent. But everybody waves. So, really, what is the etiquette for paramotors?
2: Yeah, it's, it's it's a really good question. It's something I I asked when I first approached the sport um i would say 99 percent of balloon pilots absolutely love it when a a plane a microlight or a paramotor comes over and and flies next to them never ever going to have a problem with it um if you have radio i mean balloons very rarely use radio airband radios as well but if you can speak to the pilot then great but for the most part they're not going to mind at all um even if you're in close proximity, coming around the side of the balloon, I wouldn't go in and drag the wing along the side of it. Um, <laughs> but if you're flying close to the balloon, the passengers will love it, the pilot will love it, um, as long as you're visible to the pilot at all times. So you're staying kind of level with the basket or the balloon, not going above or too far below. Um, what I would say is you raised a good point there about the flight being quiet. Um, if, a, if a pilot is flying passengers, um, they, they like this the peacefulness and serenity of the flight that's part of the experience so if you're going to go and fly next to a balloon I'd uh, do it for maybe five minutes um you know five minutes or more and then disappear if you came back again and did another five minutes i don't think the pilot would have a problem but if you were kind of staying around the balloon for 20 minutes half an hour or more i think it would probably start to to annoy the passengers um but it depends. If you're if you're doing wingovers and spirals and things like that, it's obviously going to be quite interesting to watch. Uh, if you're just coming over to say to say hi, I think yeah. If you do
3: that a in minutes, a balloon, and then, I want to see it. I'm just saying.
2: Yeah, quite right, quite right. <laughs> and they want to see you as well. It's um, it's it's great having um other aircraft fly with you. Um, but yeah, for when when you get them followed for a very long time, I think that can that can sometimes annoy some of the passengers.
0: Okay, I guess it's just like anywhere else, you know, um, buzz around, yeah. say hi, get out of there, and they're like, wow, yeah. that was cool, not, oh, my God, dude, what are you doing? So, yeah, yeah. okay, it just yeah, yeah, common yeah, sense, yeah. Then. okay. Yeah, yeah. interesting. Any that's other that's questions? Exactly. Super chat the uh, panel. I don't want to take over all the
1: questions.
5: Walter's in the house.
1: Hey, Walter. Yeah. We Australia. already know it's tomorrow. You Walter, Walter.
5: I have to run
1: or leave. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you so
0: much, Jim. Uh, real quick, Jim has something to say about his uh, T-shirt giveaway.
5: Oh, yeah. If uh, if if you subscribe to my channel, I got a T-shirt just like this one with the Deck symbol on the new Deck, not the old Deck and it's available so subscribe on my channel and once I hit 1500 uh, subscribers I will send it out to one of them
3: it's my size so y'all can just send it to me
0: (laughs) yeah I think that I think that if you're going to give away all 1500 need to get something
5: oh okay (laughs) well I'm sure we can make something happen (laughs)
0: <laughs> yeah, just tell everybody that if they if they mention PPG Grandpa, they get 10% off anything at carepp.com There you go. Plus somebody special gets a t-shirt. Done.
1: Hmm. Ben,
3: nobody's ever shot at you, have they? Bow, gun. No.
2: I mean, we've got much less there's much less guns in the UK. Um, but it's a it's a really good point actually to to move on to is um is farmers and landowners. So with a paramotor, um, you might fly over a place and upset them, but a lot of the time they're not going to be able to tell you that they've that you've annoyed them or upset upset animals or things like that because you're landing in a different place, right? Um, when I fly and when I land, I have to land in farmers' fields. I don't have any choice about it. I can't give them advance warning because the weather's taking me taking me there. Um, so. Uh, there's a, a real etiquette with the farmers. Um, I'll, I'll show you quickly for the guys watching the video. Um, I fly with a tablet. Uh, I might have to okay. do something. Blue screened out. <laughs> let me let me fix
1: that quickly. So you fly with a tablet. There we go. So I
2: fly with a with a tablet. Um, it's got maps on it. So we call these Ordnance Survey maps to show all the fields, the forests, motorways, things like that. Um, for those watching the video, you'll be able to see lots of uh, green green dots, green people on the map and a couple of red ones. Um, so this is effectively my intelligence when I'm in the flight of, of where I've landed before and how welcoming the farmer was towards the balloon. Um, I may have contact details for them. I may... Um, I may have a, have a note saying we've flown them, uh, we've flown with them at some point, uh, but I try and aim for the farms that I know are going to be friendly towards the bloom. We do have a couple of of red farmers on there. Um, they may have had a bad experience before. A bloom might have scared some animals, um, landed and broken a fence or something like that, uh, or they might just you get some people that are just generally unpleasant. I'm sure we've we've all encountered them um, flying at some point. Um, we have had a couple of instances where farmers or gameskeepers uh, have shouted and, and been swearing up at the balloon. I had one instance where a guy went and tracked down my crew um, and was shouting and, and swearing at them and giving them all kinds of abuse and then drove off before they could say anything. Um, when that happens, um, I, as the pilot, always go and find that person. Um, I track them down and I have a, have a chat with them um, because very often they won't. They won't understand why we've done what we've done. Say we've had to come low over their animals and that's upset them. It may be because I'm low on fuel. It may be because the weather has turned really nasty. Uh, I may have a passenger who's who's ill. Um, and so I point out to them that the etiquette that I try and adhere to is to avoid uh, farms that I know don't like balloons or that, that uh, have animals. I try and avoid the animals. Um but sometimes for safety I absolutely have to fly above them and there's no way around it I can only stay using the wind um, and I point out the law to them as well because sometimes they'll give you an attitude of you have to pay me loads of money if you want to get your balloon out or if you land here you just simply won't be able to get it out uh, and I point out to them it's unlawful seizure of an aircraft you can't do it under the law the police are on my side and here it's we, we always go and find the farmer who owns the field first and i've got really good crew that um a local lads a lot of them have been drinking with have had a drink with the farmers if they haven't their dads have had a drink with their dads. so i've got some really good lads that go and speak to them and and get them on side we usually give them a bottle of whiskey when we land um <laughs> But yeah, occasionally uh, I have to go and speak to them, and it, it, it goes a long way speaking to them as a pilot and explaining why I've landed there and and what I was trying to do. If if they are unhappy, and um, ninety nine times out of a hundred they turn around like that, and they're really happy when they understand it. It's just having the having the difficult conversation sometimes, particularly if someone's been angry to start with.
6: It's
0: interesting that you talked about the laws. So over in the uk the laws uh, are there any okay let's start with paramotors since this is kind of everybody follows this as a paramotor pilot or wants to be when it comes to paramotors over here we don't have any restrictions as far as we need to stay up at a certain altitude like under um 91 if i'm correct will you can't you have to stay away from 500 feet away from any man-made structure unless you're taking off or landing is that correct will under F under um, 91, if you're you know still muted, um, we can't hear you. Um, but is that correct? He's
4: there. It is found. I have a uh. hundred windows open. I tried to find the window. So 500 feet from any person, vehicle, vessel, or structure, and of course, at no time can you, uh, except for the, except for takeoff and landing, of course.
6: Okay, so
0: that's um pilot, uh, private pilot's license. Where you actually license uh, under FAR one hundred and three, which is our ultralight. Uh, we can fly next to structures, we can fly over structures, but we can't fly over anything that's considered congested. Uh, as far as open...
4: there's there's something else to that too. So long as it's coordinated, you can fly as close to one another as you want to. You just can't create a collision hazard.
1: Under ninety one. Under Part ninety one okay so if so if you're flying a uh an aircraft
0: and you have a relationship or or agreement you can fly next to structures is that what you're saying okay
4: oh well now the structure well yeah i mean the structure i I was talking more along the lines of coordinated flight like um, two aircraft okay um i i don't think i'm if something went wrong, I don't think that the pilot did his due diligence. If his if, if he had a power unit failure, there's no way, um, you know, you can't really coordinate with the building or even the, the the owner of the building.
0: Okay. Okay, that's what I thought you meant was the structure part.
4: No, I I would say no to that.
0: Okay, um, and then what we fly under over here, uh, we fly under Part one hundred three for paramotors. So we have uh, very very limited rules and regulations don't drop anything if it creates a hazard don't fly it in any manner that is considered hazardous uh don't harm anybody on the ground nothing can fall and harm anybody unless it's something that uh, that you plan for and it doesn't harm anybody Uh, don't fly over any uh anything congested you know so we have really limited rules and regulations under 103. For paramotors over in the UK give us the gist of you know what you guys have over there in the uk as far as rules
2: yeah. and so um we're deregulated so we don't have a specific part um if you like that is dedicated to to paramotors um there are sub 70 rules but i won't get into that but effectively we have the same rules as you so we have to be 500 foot from any person vehicle vessel or structure unless we're taking off or landing Um, For a congested area, so a town, for example, a built-up area, you have to be a thousand foot uh, above it, um, or uh, glide clear, so you have to be able to glide clear of it to to land. So those are the two main um, distance rules. Um, We are not allowed to um, fly close to any person on the ground, even if it is coordinated, so any vehicle vessel structure. Um, we're not allowed to fly close to them, even if it's coordinated, even if we know them, um, unless we're taking off or landing. The only time you can fly in proximity is you can flying in proximity to other pilots. And again, as you said, Will, uh, not to cause uh, collision hazard. Um, legally, um, paramotors, uh, or legally any aircraft can land wherever it needs to in the UK for the purposes of safety. Um, the only slight complications that would be uh, military land. So trespass laws in the UK, um, it's not a criminal offence, it's a civil offence. So you could land anywhere. If as soon as the landowner tells you to clear off, as long as you clear the land, it's not illegal. Military land, there's specific trespass laws, so you might get a, a bit more heat if you landed somewhere like that. Um, but for the most part, legally, you can land wherever you need to um, for the purposes of safety or, or, or whatever. Um, so on a power motor, I mean, there's if you wanted to land somewhere, there's a million things you could say, right, to to be able to say I needed to land there. It could be the weather, it could be low on fuel, whatever. In a balloon, every single landing of ours is, um, is unpredictable. We don't know where we're going to be um, a lot of the time. So we very much take advantage of that rule um, to land and, um, and and make sure that we can can stay there if we need to um, and not fly. Don't get me wrong, sometimes if a farmer's not happy for us to stay, if I can, I'll fly onto one that's happier. It's a much more pleasant experience for everybody. Uh, but sometimes if the weather's turning bad, that's where I'm staying and no one could convince me to, to move the aircraft at that point. Um, in terms of takeoff sites, uh, you are having to go on to somebody's land to take off so you'd need permission to do that Um, in some parts of Europe so I think Germany for example um, club the local clubs actually have to sign off on those takeoff sites but in the UK as long as you go and have a chat with the farmer and they're happy then then all is good.
0: Okay. So you do have the 500 foot rule and but you can fly over towns as long as you can glide over it. Uh, over here we yeah. don't we don't have the 500 foot rule. We can fly pretty much over around anything that we want to. However, we cannot fly over any township or anything considered congested at any altitude. However, if you're up at uh, you know, 15,000 feet, really who's going to say anything, right? Yeah, but very interesting as far as rules and regulations around the world when it comes to ultralights.
2: There's one. Um, there's one further thing I'll mention, which is uh, very specific to ballooning, and this is something we call PZs, prohibited, prohibited zones or SA sensitive areas. So if you look at, let's turn off the uh, thing mm-hmm. again. But I'll do that quickly. So on my map, um, I have access to a, a UK-wide database that shows. You see on there a load of red shapes. Some are, um, are circles, some are shaped around the fields. Um, what those are is is where um, farmers have made kind of formal complaints about balloons landing and they want balloons to stay away. So some of them might be because they've got expensive animals, so they want us to stay 500, 1,000 foot or more above. Some of them, a pilot might have landed and had trouble, expensive landing fees, farmer damaging the balloon or whatever um so we do fly with a bit of intelligence so we can steer clear of those places and not land at them and,
3: oh, that's not um, that's not like airspace zones that's actual farm no, fields that they block out exactly
2: yeah okay. it, it's farms so we, we've got all the same airspace rules but these are it's it's like informal airspace if you like well, that's the way i look at it some pilots some pilots look at them as set set in stone or I can't go through that that's that's uh all that farm wants us to be over a thousand foot above I can tell you now if it's not airspace I will fly through that I'll fly above that farmer's roof if I have to for safety reasons if I need to get down I'm not I'm not worried about this informal agreement I'm I'm going to be in his fields um and I'll happily make them understand why I've why I've had to do that Um, So they're more of a a, a guideline, I think, for most. um, And we try and adhere to them as much as possible because it just keeps them a bit happier.
1: Interesting. Any questions in the Super
0: Chat or the panel as we continue? It's 8.18 p.m. Central Standard Time right now. Um, 18 minutes past the hour that we originally agreed on, but he said just keep on trucking if everything's good. So any questions from the panel?
4: I'm just real appreciative because it's uh Ben man, it's what 3 18 over there in the morning.
2: Yeah don't, don't be silly I'm a I'm a 24 hour kind of guy. <laughs> yeah be <it'll start laughs> coming he out. To go to bed
4: man you're just just like you're already dressed and everything. <laughs> I know, right?
3: Sunrise paramotor flight, you know
0: absolutely oh yeah real- <laughs> Yeah, real quick on the uh, paramotor thing. Um, we have a rule that we can fly half an hour before sunrise with a strobe and half an hour after sunrise or after sunset with a strobe. Do you guys have anything like that as far as flying after? or? Yeah,
2: before? yeah this is the same rule. Um, we <laughs> refer to it as civil twilight here. In a balloon, um, you don't have to have the strobe um, at those times. Um, you just have to. You have to make sure your planned flight lands before then if that makes sense
0: right okay that's interesting
2: yeah
0: any other rules or regulations that you guys want to ask uh, ben about over in the uk and also too in italy right now uh, what are the differences in your rules and regulations do you need to have any licenses or anything or is everything just is the same yeah. as the uk over in uh, italy
2: it's so a really good question. Um, I don't know how familiar you guys are with with the UK and European politics of late. Some of you may have heard of Brexit, which was the UK leaving the European Union. Um, a bit of a bit of a mess that, um, and it's made things very complicated in terms of the rules for aviation. So um, the before British pilots could work in Europe could live in Europe, um, could fly European blo- uh, European aircraft. Now that we've left the EU, it's much more tricky. So um, I can fly a British balloon in any country in Europe. Um, I can't fly a European balloon over here. So even though they're the same, same aircraft, same manufacturer, it's just these silly bureaucratic rules that get in the way. Um, Italy and most countries in Europe have very similar rules to, to us, right? I think they all it's all stemmed down from the ICAO standards, the international standards. Um, and so we have the same kind of 500-foot rules around here, um, same rules about entering airspace and communicating with air traffic control. Do you all have the same um, rules for
3: paramotors and balloons about clouds?
2: Yeah, clear of cloud, ground in sight, um, yes. Okay. Uh, you do um you can't do instrument rating because you can't fit instruments to those aircraft that makes sense um in are you
7: ever ever gonna try you know are you gonna try fly sometime
2: i'd like to try it i'd really like to try it um it's something i haven't done yet um it's something i'd really like to do um there's ambition um in the uk to set up um, a similar um kind of charitable organization as you mentioned earlier kind of helping out um not just disabled veterans but um veterans in the uk that are struggling from from mental health uh, as well um i've got i've got friends and i know within the uk um there's a lot of ex-military um flying paramotors and for many of them, it's it's been an escape, um, a new pursuit, something outside of military service to build a friendship group and a, an expertise in. Um, and for many of them, being able to go up to a few thousand foot and clear their head has has kind of transformed their mental health. And so um, that's something that um, a friend and I were were kind of looking at uh, at doing within the UK.
7: Yeah, you should. I think you'd be really good at it. I mean, you're so good with people, you know we can i I see that right away, and uh it is it, it's you know to take people up that like i myself i went on I went on a tandem last year and then I went on my first tandem this year and it it's life changing
1: yeah. it is
7: like it is i just my gosh, yeah, it does it change it yeah. changed your life, and it was so much fun and yeah. um
2: One of my favourite things, or one of the things that I prefer, let's say, about ballooning versus paramotoring is um, it's much more of a shared experience. So I'm taking passengers up and we're all experiencing the same thing, looking at the same view. So every single flight, I get to feel that energy of all these people experiencing, looking at the world that way for the first time. And I... Definitely when I learned to fly paramotors, you look at the world in a different way. I think if more people could see the world the way that we have, um, it would be a much better place. And so one of my favourite things is sharing that experience. And I did some tandem flying. Uh, I really enjoyed it. Um, but there there were limitations to that as well. Um, I'm, a, I'm a bigger pilot, so I need a bigger wing to do that, more powerful engine. Um, and I wanted to share flying as well with people that perhaps couldn't otherwise so trikes are a brilliant way to to be able to do that
7: yeah that's something that i've never had never experienced
1: that's
7: good go ahead well
1: well i was going
4: to ask ben what's the weirdest oddest or most unique thing that's happened while you were flying a balloon like with your passengers or and you don't have to answer this right away you can answer other questions and just keep talking it'll pop up probably i know i mean if, if someone asked me that same question about flying a paramotor or even an airplane i'd have to really think about it cuz uh, <laughs>
2: there's been some doozies
1: <laughs> yeah um i mean i'll i'll
2: have to think about kind of weirdest or most unique experiences in the background but um, <laughs> Yeah, 95% take... of the flights are are lovely and they're wonderful. And I really enjoy them. Um there's you know 3 to 5% of the flights uh that can scare the shit out of you if you if you let them.
3: Yeah. Um, do you take so up women particularly... and they go, "Hey, can you land? I need to pee." Is that? <laughs> <laughs> I, I haven't
2: had that, yet. Um okay. I've had, I've had a few passengers that have been quite scared at the start um within a few minutes that completely goes away i i don't know if any of you guys find this i don't like heights you will not get me up a ladder i've never felt an ounce of fear on a paramotor and i've been upside down in on one um it's I'm, totally I'm different glad, in the of blue.
0: i'm glad you said that because i i say that all the time you will never see me on a ladder never see me on top of a house and you definitely won't yep. see me climb one of those towers that people do to change a light bulb on you know top oh. of but I will fly around that every day of the week and even higher and not yeah. feel anything. But I am deathly afraid of heights. Maybe it's not afraid of heights. It's afraid of rickety things that I could fall off and hurt myself from. Yeah.
4: <laughs> it's,
5: it's, it's afraid of hitting movies. the ground.
4: <laughs> they've, uh, and that's yeah. that's, a, that's been a known fact uh, about pilots and heights. A disproportionate number of pilots are afraid of heights than, say, the general public. Maybe it has something to do with their respect for altitude, or I don't know. You know, everything they do, and they're they do everything in their power to keep from coming in contact with with the ground, you know, unplanned. So, yeah. uh, yeah, that's that is no, because
3: Sean won't get on a ladder. I got no problems with ladders and stuff like that, but climbing one of them towers to change a bulb, no, that's not happening. But I can I'll fly up there, no problem. I'm just not yeah, I'm climbing exactly anywhere that right. high. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah, that's happening. I can't watch videos on YouTube of those guys walking on those little steel beams. It makes my hands start sweating. I can't can't even think about that, man. That's
0: and there's it, no problem when i watch that stuff but what really gets me is when they do the caving and they're going through these really tight things and they have to put their tank through first and then go through this and they're barely going through uh, water i'm I, like no that just oh, that's, you're that's oh man don't <laughs> yeah. put me in that situation but man put me in a paramotor no problem i'll fly anywhere yeah. everywhere and I feel safe and secure. I, I think that's the difference, right? I mean, I mean, right, Ben, you feel safe and secure in a paramotor. Yeah,
2: well, one thing I'll add as well. So on a paramotor, we, we talk about bump tolerance, right? So your, your tolerance to turbulence, and how happy you are being thrown about in the air. Um, in a balloon, you have absolutely no turbulence, no bumps, no nothing. It's a very different way of experiencing the air. The way I'll describe it is, um, if you imagine a, a rough sea, A paramotor is like a speedboat skipping along the ocean, so it feels the bumps. A balloon kind of just wallows up and down on the waves, so it doesn't feel anything. It doesn't doesn't rock, it doesn't sway. Um, The way I would know know if it was turbulent is I'd look at my altimeter, and I'd see that we were going up or down when I hadn't put controls in. Um, Or I might feel gusts come through the basket. So for almost the whole flight, you have no wind at all because you're moving in the wind. So there's no wind at all coming through the basket. If I feel wind on me, it's because I've climbed into a different wind direction or a different wind speed or because there's turbulence. And so I get a real micro appreciation of how the wind changes in valleys in front of the trees at different altitudes. But being bald, it's like a big sensor. So no matter which direction the wind comes in from, you can you can feel it and you're like, right, OK, I'm going to change direction in a minute.
7: What about paragliding? I had to ask that one.
2: Yeah, um, I haven't tried it yet. Um, my, the friends I used to paramotor with very regularly, uh, when I went off and did ballooning, they actually dipped their toes in paragliding. So they've tried it, and they tell mm-hmm. me it's, uh, it's amazing, and I should. So I definitely will at some point, but not yet.
0: Well, you know that with a paramotor, if you go up and you go to idle, you are paragliding. So, you know... Yeah we yeah. all have paraglided just not from the top of a mountain
6: yeah
7: there you go there you go yeah. thank you yeah I had to ask that real quick because yeah. you know my my son that's why I got my name Paramount because my my son Robert Michaels is a paraglider in uh San Diego and um he's been flying for like 2017 or whatever and yeah. and then I just kind of started getting involved in the sport and uh, I got in the show and Mm-hmm. wanted to see what all the excitement was about and that's when i decided last year to take my first uh tandem thanks to eric and jade Lear of northern lights paramotors llc and uh it was experience i'll never forget and I'll, yeah. I'll go back up again next year even though my son's like nope not me not me mom my other son but um yeah it's a i remember
2: the cool. first time I took off on a paramotor, um, it was a winter day. There was a little bit of snow on the ground. And I remember being strapped in. And that first flight, you've got sensory overload because you're trying to remember everything your instructor said. You've got him in your ear. You've got the noise of the engine. You've got all these thoughts going on. What's it going to be like? And obviously, I had this thing as well like, I might be scared of heights when I get up. And um, I remember that initial takeoff run. And lifting off the ground a couple of feet, and just having this overwhelming sense of there's no fear, there's there's nothing, there's no sensation of of like I'm gonna fall. I just feel secure. It feels it was normal. It feels right. And yeah, I think I think so many people I've spoken to be like, oh, I don't know how you do that. You're so brave. And really, until you face that fear and, and realize, oh, actually, there's there's nothing to be to worry about i think i think people
3: should go parasailing first because that's yeah really similar i mean you're you're towed by a rope but you get to feel what that glider feels like above your head even though you don't have yeah. a motor on your back you still get you still get to feel how solid that glider feels above you Here, there's yeah. no
2: fear
1: that's true that's I true i think for
2: some people though <coughs> part of the fear comes from having a lack of control so when you're flying the paramotor for the first time, you know if you pull a brake, you turn and you, you're you in tune with it. Whereas some people have said to me before, particularly in the balloon, um, that part of the fear would come from, from not having control of the situation. And when you fly passengers tandem as well, if they start feeling sick, I, I always used to ask this question. I used to say, out, out of 10, how are you feeling? Because if you ask somebody if they're feeling OK, they'd always say yes, because they don't want the experience to end if you ask them out of 10 how they're feeling and they say anything less than 10, like a nine, you know, they're already starting to slide. They might be feeling a bit motion sick. And so I always used to give them the control straight away and let them fly. And their brain tunes into the movement. They feel like they've got control. And um, within a few minutes that, that situation goes, it's quite interesting.
7: Great. Yeah. That's a great idea. Yeah. I got to do that. Now I was a nausea I think surprisingly both my flights, you know, it didn't bother me at all. I mean, I was just so excited to be up there. You know, I was just—I'm sure everybody could hear me on the ground yelling. Because <laughs>
3: I, was just like, yeah, I, I heard you. We're, I'm in a whole other state. I heard you. We
0: uh, all heard her. <laughs>
7: <laughs> yeah, they—these they, poor guys have had to hear my same story for the last two years. And then when I went on my my second tandem, then they had to hear hear my a new story. You know that I did. Uh, we did a little touch and go, and you know I. And I felt myself getting braver, you know. To, um, yeah, brilliant. Yeah, That's all right.
3: I'm 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 happy to see you so excited for it. You know, with every time you get to fly, it's it's really exciting, you know. I I don't think you can ever get tired of it really. I don't know how these guys are like, you know, I'm kind of tired of paramotoring, I'm gonna go base jump now. I, I just don't yeah. like that be no
0: for being jumping definitely yeah. not well i think it, it's 8 30 real quick uh will okay. fly has to go unfortunately yeah. so we'll fly thank you so much for hanging Thanks, out with will. us uh it thank you for the pleasure. uh for the screenshot make sure you send it to us and uh we'll yeah. catch you next monday uh actually before next monday um yeah. so have a great week buddy
4: yeah and hey i just will thank the, you you're welcome just the tip 12.0 is coming out this week so stay tuned
0: where do we go oh, to awesome. see that? Will fly. Go to
4: willflyppg.com. We'll take you there, or you can uh, search for Will Fly on YouTube. Cool. All right, buddy. Yeah, Thank you are. so much. Awesome.
1: Have a great night.
4: See Thank you later,
7: you.
2: Gators. Yeah. Hi.
0: So, how are you doing, Ben? You you still
2: doing okay? You, you yeah yeah. Good? I'm I'm having fun. I'm I'm happy. Yeah. <laughs> All good.
0: Fun and happy. Excellent. We love fun and happy. <laughs>
6: You are not allowed show, to change like- your
0: mind. Oh,
3: <laughs> like like I started paramotoring. I can't change my mind now.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
3: I don't think there's a what you th- that is impossible. I w- I would have had to go through training and absolutely hated it. And and I told her when I went to go train to fly a paramotor, I was like, all right. When I do this, I'm either gonna really like it and then go that was enough, or it's I'm a hundred percent in which obviously i i was all in so there you go
2: having trained a few people there is a small percentage of trainee pilots that come through um because they're hobby hunting they're the kind of person probably probably got quite a stressful life in other parts and but have quite a lot of money so they'll try motorbiking they'll try um getting a scuba license and then they'll go on to paramotoring and then they'll get bored of that and they'll go on to another thing and they go through quite a lot of hobbies looking for that thing now for for some of us um you know paramotoring is is the first one some of us have have hobby hunted and come to paramotoring it's the last hobby you'll ever have because you love it and it's passion um but yeah there's a a small percentage of guys that definitely check out after a year or two because the machine gathers dust and then are on to the next thing. I think that happens sometimes.
0: Unfortunately,
2: I, I flew agree.
3: drones a lot. And the more I yeah. flew the drone, I was like, you know, I don't want to be flying that up there. I want to be the one up there looking down. Yeah. Pictures, yeah, yeah. You know? yeah. And that, and paramotoring was the answer to that. It's the same thing, yeah. but just you're up there instead of a drone.
0: It's so funny. After I started flying paramotors, my drone has collected dust by that yeah, all the too. time. Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah you you got a lot to- of
2: drone pilots coming into motorbike, uh, coming into paramotoring. You get a lot of motorbikers coming into paramotor as well. I think it's it's like a sky motorbike, so it suits those two sports yeah. quite well.
0: It does, doesn't it? I I, I don't have any uh, more uh, three wheelers, four wheelers, no boats, no yeah. other sport stuff because everything yeah. I can do on a paramotor, I can kind of mimic that doing a paramotor. Like you know, you foot drag or get really low. That's like riding a motorcycle, yeah. a, a, a four wheeler, three wheeler. You know, yeah. you get to this uh, to to the water here, right? You know, or or a, or a chasm or something, right? You can pull your brakes give it some gas and now you're doing a ramp like evil knievel well if you guys yeah, are yeah. young you i don't know who evil knievel is but man i can feel like i'm evil knievel doing that i can foot drag on on a pond and i got a boat now now i can just get give it give a gas now i'm in a a, a, a a an airplane get some really good air and now you're sitting still now you're in a helicopter i mean i tell you everything is just really amazing with a paramotor yeah
6: i got um, a friend
3: he does um he's the only one i know that does paramotoring but he also does jet skiing he really likes racing jet skis so i, I guess you know he just decides that's something else he wants to do but he was doing the jet skiing before he paramotored, so i think that's the key
7: very cool it's such a fun sport and said, i i'm so happy that i got to experience it because the last couple of years I've been listening to everybody else talk about it, you know? And finally I was like, you know what, if I don't go up you know, and do this, you know, I'm going to regret it. I want to know what this is all about. And so I just, and that talk about stepping out of your comfort zone. Right. <laughs> and that I've jumped yeah. in that tandem and I was like, let's <laughs> do it. And then this year it was twice as fun because I knew what to expect, you know? And exactly. uh, yeah.
0: And next year, I
7: couldn't stand still. I was just so excited the whole time.
0: And next year, uh, uh, Eric will do a wing over for you and a loop to loop and a barrel roll, right?
7: No, no loop to loop. (laughs) (laughs) I'll do it. I like the little touch and go and kind of the wheelie thing that he did, you know. But um,
1: Dewey
3: wants Kevin to talk really bad. I don't don't get it. (laughs) It's like, does Kevin ever talk? You could just speak up, you know. We all know yeah. what your voice sounds like.
0: We know that the background <laughs> is full of dogs barking, right, Kevin?
9: <laughs> Sometimes it is. It uh, loud noises make them bark for some reason.
3: I, th- I think it's just barking at that paramotor he sees right there behind
2: Ben. <laughs> Probably, <laughs>
7: maybe. Well, right. this
2: was what? really
7: fun. This was a one cool. thing I want
2: to um to touch on is um yeah. is like scary experiences as well, right? I'm sure we've all had times on a paramotor where we've gone up in the air and have been looking forward to getting back down. Um, mm-hmm. It happens sometimes. Um, you get you get the same in a in a balloon, um, particularly as you are entirely at the mercy of the weather. Your steering, your speed, your everything is is the weather. Um, And I've had situations where uh, I might run out of wind. So I'm stuck above something that I can't land. So I'm stuck above a town or I'm stuck above trees, stuck above power lines um, with no ability to get clear until the wind changes. Um, Or you might have weather pick up. So it starts to get thermic and we know about thermals and clouds suck. Balloons get affected by that. They get pulled up, they get pushed down. Um, And so five five percent of the flights that's where I earn my money um I describe it as being like a swan I have to be paddling really hard underneath working really hard on the problem but on the surface really really calm um because as soon as the passengers know that I'm nervous that's when that's when chaos erupts so you have to have quite a good good poker face sometimes and I've had some some nasty situations where I've um you know, I've approached high voltage power lines looking like I'm going to cross them and then the balloons just turn and follow them for ages. And those kind of situations aren't so fun, um, but you kind of work the problem. You try and find winds at different heights that are going to get you clear. And um, yeah, I think it's it's similar on a paramotor, but a paramotor, you've got that speed that can get you out of trouble. That you, can, um, you can glide to somewhere because when you're relying on the wind, it can be
1: a bit more tricky.
0: That's well, very very interesting can you go over the uh, apps and what you use for your winds aloft to determine your speed and uh the wind speed
2: Yeah um so the 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 best one I've found for winds aloft is Meteo Blue um it's a really great app and the reason I find it useful in my area is I've got a lot of valleys and hills feeding in what meteo blue does better than any other app is it shows you a visualization of how the winds are moving through these valleys so i can see you know each part of the area that i'm flying in what the wind direction is going to be at different heights and how the weather develops so i might be taking off somewhere where the weather's really good um but i know if i fly eight miles i'm good if i fly 10 miles i'm going to be in trouble because the wind gets stronger So Meteo Blue is really good at uh, visualizing the wind direction and the wind speeds at different altitudes. Can you spell Um, that for me?
0: Can you spell that? um,
2: So it's M-E-T-E-O and then blue like the color Meteo Blue. Okay. So really good app. Um, uh, Some of it is learning which which apps and which forecasts are are, are best for your area. Uh, But Meteo Blue for me uh, tends to be quite good. If I'm just wanting to have a good idea of what days this week are going to be flyable, uh, Windy tells me that information really quickly. Um, And the Windy team have put some really good development into the app lately. There's loads of filters so you can see um, fog, what height the clouds going to be, how much visibility you've got in kilometres. But some really more in-depth stuff as well that I look at, like, Um, what are the chances of thunderstorms building in my area and for each parcel of air how much energy is in that air how unstable is the air going to be so some really good filters on on that too Um, the Met Office so the National Service across the UK for forecasting they do a balloon specific forecast as well so they have point locations at different towns over the UK and they'll tell you what they're expecting the wind to be at different heights, that's another useful source. For me, as many sources of of weather information as possible. I like to build up a picture and then I can build up a strategy of how I'm gonna fly that flight. Uh, And if I turn up and the weather is different, um, then I, I can predict how it's changed. So it might be that a weather system has moved in quicker or it might be that it hasn't arrived yet. And so I'll be watching out for you know a cloud front coming in or something like that so the more information i can get the better on weather
0: absolutely i agree definitely the more apps we use the better um real quick i guess since we're here um scuba steve what apps do you use to check winds and winds aloft? loft anything in particular or just windy or what
3: um i mainly use windy i mean obviously now gaggle also will tell you the weather about specific lz's that you have favorited in your area so if you favorite an area that you like to fly from you can you know make that a lz and then in gaggle you can just click that and it'll tell you all the winds and that stuff which is pretty nice i like that they added that
0: i like that too um, butch fly when you go fly, what uh, what do you use as far as looking at your winds aloft? And if you're on mute, we really can't hear you.
6: Nope.
1: <laughs> yeah,
0: now we can't see you.
1: Uh, he just
3: wants to be hidden, apparently. <laughs>
8: <laughs> well, Where'd you go, video's butch? not going, but PPG report, uh, I like that, and Wendy.
0: All right ppg.report
8: yes there we go
0: yeah ppg.report it's good also Ventus sky is a great app that shows your winds aloft it shows it where you can actually see it kind of like what you said about uh, medio blue it actually <laughs> shows you the wind kind of like it's kind of like windy as far as it's showing which yeah. way the wind's going and how it, it it's directing, but also shows you at the different levels of wind aloft. So Ventus Sky yeah. is really good about that. I um,
2: find uh, Ventus Sky is really good for precipitation and fog as well. So anything kind of moisture in the air, they, they tend to have really good models. Um, also gusting, I, I, I double check. If I think it's going to be borderline, I double check the gusts against that, it's, mm-hmm. it's quite a good.
0: Yeah, I found Ventus Sky is like one of the best ones. But then again, you know, all the models are different. Like when we go and check out Windy, Icon seems to be pretty close instead of the North American model, which usually is better in a different part of uh, Arkansas. But where we are right now, Icon's the best. Go figure on that. Um, So, um, hey, Kevin, since you're there, we teach you, uh, Loft. What do you
9: use for Winsaloft? Uh, I've used, uh, PPG report. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've used windy, I've used, hold on. I'm thinking here, uh, uh UAV forecast. Very good. Yes. Yep. Uh uh-huh. Um, gaggle. Um, and was it Ventus Ventus Sky and yep. I've used that one those are the ones I've used
0: yeah it really seems like when we use a combination of all these it uh, usually tends to you get a pretty good idea but always go out to wherever, whatever LZ you're going to set up your windsock and just kind of as you're setting up look at the windsock feel it because you know 9 times out of 10 you go out there and it's like this is not what the app said is that what you get to men
2: yeah absolutely there's um there's a big element of being able to feel the air feel the conditions um and when my passengers arrive as well on site I talk them through what I'm feeling so um, there might be a big uh, a storm happening, maybe um, 50 miles away or so. But every now and again, you get a big cold gust come through. And I'll explain to them that as the rain's coming down, it's bringing cold air with it. And that's what we're feeling. And that's why we have to wait a bit longer to take off. And um, so I have situations like that. Being able to read the sky and look at the sky and see whether it's happy or not. See whether there's weather brewing, building, decaying and that's a really important skill as well i think
0: that's very good uh i don't know how many people but i do uh teach that also at the school as far as looking at the sky knowing that if you have a big you know a big um cumulonimbus cloud you know that's going up during the day at night expect that to come back down and you should be able to feel it you know in um, gust etc
2: there was an evening i remember it so clearly where we had a lot of thunderstorms building around the area but the normal flying area where we'd go from was, was clear. And um, I decided not to fly that evening because of these these storms about. And I'm so glad I didn't because about, I don't know, 10, 20 minutes after sunset, um, those clouds collapsed and the gusting just went absolutely wild as all that air came crashing back down and, and dispersed out. Um, I have had it once where I've been flying when... Um, thermic clouds have have collapsed down and yeah it's not fun to be in the air when that's happening thankfully it's quite a quite a rare that that it does happen but um yeah it's something to um, to be wary of certainly but I found and you you guys probably found the same the more that I've learned about the weather the more I've realized there's more to learn about it and you kind of build up these patterns and um and yeah, things to look for and things that you know, but certainly when you start looking at different types of aircraft or you get a bit deeper into the weather, it's it's amazing how far you can actually go into into it.
0: Exactly. Um, No matter how long you've been in this field, you're always a student because there's always something new to know. And uh, real quick too, in the super chat, did you know about these big cumulonimbus clouds that come up during the day and then at night, sometimes right after sunset, they will collapse and cause huge gust fronts? Did you know about that? Have you ever experienced anything like that? Tony Marzano said, so what kind of emergencies uh, have you had, or anybody else had, in a balloon? And what's the worst thing a balloon pilot could expect?
2: I'm really glad you've asked that question. I was about to to bring up just kind of safety and emergency prep in general. Um, a balloons by design are really safe. So, like I said earlier, they've got multiple um, burners, multiple sources of fire um and so you've got backup so if an engine fails you on my big balloon I've got two spare I've got three engines in total effectively um I've had like I said earlier I've had uncomfortable situations where I've been stuck above power lines um the the most common emergency situation you're going to get is passengers going ill maybe a passenger faints maybe they've got low blood sugar because they haven't eaten or haven't slept very well the night before because they were excited um maybe a passenger has an illness that they haven't told you about because they want to fly Um, they might be terminally ill with something potentially and they're trying to get a flight in before they go Um, they may have some other underlying condition Um, and so it's something we have to be very careful of flying passengers is is making sure you're aware of them and you're keeping an eye on on their comfort levels in the flight as well there are pilots that have had incidents Um, there have been fires in the basket um, and things like that. So we carry fire safety equipment on board, fire extinguishers, fire blankets. All of the tanks can be shut off and isolated. And um, these incidents are extremely, extremely rare. There was an incident, I think, in Mexico, maybe last year, where a balloon caught fire. Um, What happened, it was very low winds. So a pilot um, threw a, a big, long rope So people on the ground so they could pull the balloon to somewhere they could land. Um, This rope got caught underneath one of the tank fittings and then the the rope snagged on something on the ground. And uh, the tension on the rope broke off this fitting on the tank. There was a big gas leak um, and there was a fire. Um, When these situations happen, thankfully, they're really, really rare. Um, but we discussed them as a, a chat with um, a lot of the young pilots on it. And if a situation happens somewhere in the world, we discuss discuss it and what happens. Um, and for that particular one, we decided that the, the best option was to actually attach this rope to uh, we have a quick release on board. So when we want to take off, we tether ourselves to a vehicle so we don't take off if we want to. And then we want to take off. We pull this red lever. And it detaches us from the vehicle. We decided the best option with this rope that you could use to pull us to safety was to attach it to that release system. So if it ever snagged on something on the ground, you could cut yourself loose and you'd immediately be out of danger. So um, I think paramotoring is very good at doing this as well, is is people getting together and having these conversations when incidents happen and trying um, trying to work out ways that don't happen. The the problem is, and we've all got to be aware of this, is the the kit we use is extremely safe, right? All of the big problems have been sorted out by the manufacturers and by the the schools teaching us. The things that are going to kill us are two, three, four tiny little insignificant decisions that add up and compound together. So it will be the fact that you didn't sleep well the night before. The fact that you haven't checked one of the weather apps that's giving you warnings about the stability in the air. The fact that um, your mates have decided to fly because they're feeling up for a bit bit more of a a spicy conditions that day. Um, It could be that you had an extra drink at the bar the night before. It could be that you've forgotten to do your prop up tight. It's when these little tiny things start to come together um, that you get problems. So whenever I fly balloons, Paramotors. Whenever I train people, I I am really keen to teach them these routines that keep them safe, and and to watch these little decisions. I think it's so important.
3: I assume there's no smoking on the hot air. Yeah,
2: yeah, no smoking, no vaping. While it's important, we have fire there. It's important we don't have fire in the basket. So yeah, no smoking. Right, because
3: you got propane on there. I'm just wondering because that could be highly flammable or explosive.
2: Yeah. It's, it's in sealed pressurized tanks, but we make sure it's a wicker basket. It's made of wood, so we don't make sure people aren't smoking.
9: We right. extend
2: the same rules to the farmer's fields that we're landing in and taking off from. And in the summer, when the fields get really dry and you've got that stubble there, you've got a flame next to it when you're inflating the balloon, um, we make sure there's fire extinguishers on hand and that we're trying to be really careful of, uh, of things like that happening.
0: Yeah. So... Interesting. Um, In paramotoring, the number one cause of death is drowning. You know, most people that um, uh, hear about or see paramotors, that doesn't even come up. They didn't even think about that as the number one cause of death. One number one cause of injury is prop strike. When it comes to um, ballooning, is there anything similar to that as far as the number one cause of death or, or injury in ballooning? I don't see it, but I'm not a ballooner.
2: Um, I think more incidents happen in ballooning when there are lots of balloons together. So they might be flying for an event. There's that. When people get into a group, there's that mentality. If there are people flying, then everybody needs to fly. Um, and people sometimes forget that there's different skill levels there and you might be better off staying on the ground if you're not so comfortable with conditions. I wouldn't say there's... like The main thing in ballooning is um, if you lose height really quickly. Now, the balloon itself, you could could be at thousands and thousands of feet and not put in any heat at all, and the balloon's going to come down and it's going to stop accelerating at some point. It's going to reach a max descent rate where the thing effectively becomes a parachute above your head. The problem is if you have a problem with the vent um, at the top and then all the air comes out, it's going to come down like a streamer and hit hard. Thankfully, those uh, those are extremely rare events um, in ballooning. Ballooning's been around for over 200 years and um, it's the safest form of flying by a long way. So yeah, thankfully that kind of stuff's been sorted out.
1: That's a
0: very interesting thing. How long that, have balloonings been going on? I know it's been thousands thousand years. Do you know when uh, when balloons first came around, what year
2: that was, by any chance? It was, I believe, 1782 or 1783. A pair of brothers in France called the Montgolfier brothers um, built a balloon, and they tethered it to the ground, and they thought initially that it was the smoke that made it lift, so they'd light a fire underneath and let that lift up the balloon, and it would go up slightly. Um, obviously, we now have very modern burners, very modern fabrics, very modern safety equipment. Uh, and so it's changed a lot in that time. But the basic principles are the same. Hot air goes up and it's the way of controlling the temperature in the balloon that brings you up and down.
0: Interesting. Very, very interesting.
2: Yeah. It is in, um, almost- in France, They they're named or oh, hot air balloons in France are called Mongolfier. In Italy, they're called Mongolfiera. Um, so there's still that heritage is is carried on today when when balloons were first landing in france obviously the general public had never seen anything like it um so the villagers would get very angry very scared when these things arrived in the fields and so the french being the french they had an ingenious way of solving this they decided to hang bottles of alcohol from the side of the balloon Um, and then when they'd land they'd open the alcohol they'd open the bottle of wine and they'd drink it with the villagers so it was a sign of we come in peace. We're not here to cause any harm. Um, and that tradition carries on today. So after a flight, we, uh, will have a glass of Prosecco, a glass of champagne, um, to celebrate a successful flight. And, um, yeah, it's a, it's a nice tradition that's carried on.
0: I like that tradition. We need to maybe carry that one on. (laughs) Just um, Just bring a bottle of whiskey with you.
6: (laughs)
2: <laughs> while we're on emergencies and, and safety procedures and it's it's a question i i have for the panel and i'll give perhaps my own thoughts on it in a minute but how often do you guys practice um engine failures uh, emergency situations uh, engine failure on takeoff for example spot landings how often do you guys practice stuff going wrong
0: as far as people in general, students, uh, pilots in general,
2: for in in your own personal flying, I think it's one for the for the chat as well. Um, okay.
0: Yeah, my my own personal, be... my own personal flying, I practice that every single flight. Every single flight, I practice something. Yeah. Uh, the flight is fun. However, every single flight, I do check to see how far I can stall the wing before I start to feel it, right? I fly up to two, three, four thousand 4,000 feet, kill the motor, and I spot land from that high every single time. I love to spot land. Uh, motor outs. Uh, obviously, that's something that you got to prepare for because you don't want to practice it right over trees or anything but when i do fly i know that uh our lz is there it, it's surrounded by trees so we all take off and we all get enough altitude in a circle until we're high enough to fly over trees so in case we do have a motor out we don't we have a place to land that's yeah. not trees yeah. um how about you scuba steve
3: yeah, I'm the same way. I mean, basically, as far as, especially when I'm flying, I, I think the number one thing is always looking for an out. You know, that's like number one on my list. I, I never fly anywhere that I know I can't get out of. Yeah. I, I try not to fly over water at all. Even though I have floats on my paramotor, I just, I I still stay near near land where I can always cut over and get took a safe landing zone but yeah i i rarely ever land with my motor on anyway the only time i do that is if i'm doing touch and goes and it's like good reverse wind conditions otherwise yeah I, my motor's off so and then I, i'll spot land somewhere so yeah it's that's a constant practice thing that we do I, i've i assumed most pilots do
0: yeah absolutely um which fly how about you you've been flying for a while now
8: uh pretty much the same I keep the engine on when I'm doing touch and goes on the trike but when I'm foot launching I like to kill the engine as I'm coming in you know you taught me that so I kind of stuck with it
0: Exactly how about as far as uh flying high enough that you have plenty of altitude to take you know to uh to land in case you got a motor out
8: Yep that's one of the first things you started preaching hey make sure you get it high enough in case something it's not if it's wind you're gonna have a motor out so make sure you're high enough and always be looking for a way out always make sure you got somewhere to land
0: exactly one of the things too that i um like to talk about is being not only high enough to make uh, an lz you know like um maybe the center of uh, a farmer's field um center of a farmer's field is not optimal because well look how far you have to go even if you land out one mile away from your lz look at the terrain before between your lz and one mile away all the way around you there might be fences there might be tree lines there might be um, a creek a river i mean there's a lot of stuff that you would have to pump your motor and that wing back so when you do go out and fly even though it is fun to fly barefoot in tennis shoes flip-flops I always wear tactical boots. They're nice and light. They protect my ankles. And if I'm going to be walking through mud with a paramount on my back, it's not going to be with flip-flops. So uh secondly.
2: A, sorry, just there, you've you've raised a really important point. And it's something my tandem instructor taught me. And it's mm-hmm. it's something that we can take into our own private flying as well. When uh if a passenger passed out during a tandem flight or something like that, and you needed to get back on the ground or a passenger was ill or any situation um, as you're coming into land trying to land somewhere that's near a track near a house near a road and vocalizing to your passenger even if you think they can't hear you right I'm going to land in this field the gate is in that corner just down the road there's a house so if either one of you has an incident when you land there you can you both know right here's here's where my closest help is here's how I get out of the field I think that was a really um, a good lesson he taught me. And, and when I try and land now, I always try and look, okay, somewhere close to a road, somewhere close to cars if I need it and things like that.
0: Exactly. That's what I was continuing on. Middle of a field is, you know, if you're a newbie, you know, maybe that's the only thing you can do, but practicing your spot landings, when you can spot land and you know that you can get pretty close to any roadway, it's easier to get picked up next to a roadway than it is a mile away in some farmer's field so practice 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 those spot landings and a lot of people don't realize too there's three places that you land where your feet touch where your feet end and where your wing lands so when you come in for a spot landing or anywhere that you land land uh, when you have a motor out where are your feet going to touch where you're going to turn around and where's that wing going to land and uh, that's something i always think about too
2: there's um, a saying that I always used to say to my students, and I'd still say to passengers and and, and people that I'm teaching to balloon. Um, and I've taken it from the film American Sniper about Chris Kyle, starring Bradley Cooper, some of you know it, which is aim small, miss small. If you, uh, if you aim for a blade of grass, you'll miss by a meter. If you aim for a field, you'll miss by a field. So when you're practicing those spot landings, aiming really small, as tight as you can and you'll learn even if you miss it you'll learn a lot about your wing and about your flare um, and about the wind conditions and flying a balloon particularly I, I explain to people even when we're just flying and landing in fields normally aim for somewhere near the gate aim for a blade of grass aim for a dip in the field whatever it is because that one day that you've been flying over a forest for an hour with nowhere to land and all you have is that tiny clearing or that tiny track you don't want to miss it. So make sure you're able to, to put that down thing down on a on a spot. And yeah, the more you can practice that, aim small, miss small. It's a really good thing to keep in your head when you're flying.
0: Exactly. Too. And the thing is too, when you're when you go up to a couple thousand feet, you don't have to kill your motor, go on idle. And just see if you can make that that landing because maybe you are thinking, okay, I got plenty of glide, but then you're hitting this headwind that's causing you to sink down. There's no way you can do it. So being able to run back up, you know, and do it again is going to help you a lot too. Uh, taking the SIB clinic very very important. You know, you need to be be able to uh, land in one spot, which means that you might need to pull big ears to get down low pop the big ears up five feet, 10 feet above uh, the the spot that you're landing and flare right away, right? Come in over some big trees. You get down low. You can spot land really easy. Instead of going so far, you can hit the other side of that little spot that you're trying to land. Also too, you know, learn how to stall your wing. You can stall your wing. You can slow down, come down nice and easy. And you can adjust that stall to come down and easily let that back up, catch that wave, Catch that surge and come in and land in a really, really small spot. But that takes lots of time in the air, lots of practice. Yeah. Even if you, even if you've been flying for many years, if you're not practicing this stuff, you're not going to learn it.
2: Just on that, like when you've practiced and got really good at spot landing from a thousand feet, and when you understand, when you're starting to think about your wing in terms of energy and how much energy your wings got. Um, and how much it can carry you forward and your flare and all that. One thing I used to practice, and I used to do it in front of students and I used to do it in front of my friends without any warning, I wouldn't even know I was going to do it, um, is a, an engine failure on takeoff. So, as soon as you get five, 10 meters in the air, an engine failure, because that is the most inconvenient place for it to happen. You're going from full power, full angle of attack with and then to the wing surging forward on you maximum energy down into the ground and being able to control that situation being able to check the wing but then let it accelerate a little bit and then flaring and landing properly it's such a satisfying thing to get right um, and to feel and your engine fa- your engine failure is very life- unlikely to happen at a thousand foot it's going to be a, a hole blowing in the cylinder when you're at full revs on takeoff it's going to be when you're low coming into land and you've misjudged your distance to field, it's going to be somewhere inconvenient because that's how sods law works. So yeah, really good one to practice when you're happy that your skills are are there um, is, is an engine failure on takeoff.
0: Um, During our uh, training, we go through the PPG one, two, and three. As you get better, one of the things that we do is we use our tow machine with a free flight harness that is padded very, very well to do simulated um takeoffs with a power out that way you're not coming down with a cage or motor and it is in softer grass so we do know where you're going to land and um that really helps a lot too as far as simulating something like that that could be really dangerous but in a free flight harness with good cushion and understanding that you're just going to go up you're going to feel that surge you're going to check that surge come down and land on your butt you know, yeah. use the cage, use use the free flight harnesses to 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 take the impact instead of you know your legs or face planting. So yes, yeah. you're right. Um, these are very very important things to do.
2: And Another time you get that same sensation as as a power failure on takeoff is if you're coming in to land on a field and there's a very hot road for it, and you fly in and that road the thermal picks you up, and then as soon as you come off the back of it, the wing's going to dive at the floor. And yeah, being able to control a wing dive low down is is a really nice and satisfying thing when you when you get to it.
0: And also too, always taking a wrap, you know, before when you come in, if you don't need that extra flare on that wrap, you don't have to use it. But sometimes you get some really weird sink, like right after, like you said, you know, you come in, get a little bit of that lift and you get to that sink right behind it. And I've caught that a couple of times. Uh, Butch, have you caught that too? yep yeah you got that too on the trike though thank goodness on a trike twice yeah so um one of the things that we do is we always take that wrap if we need that extra flare we got it if not you know we don't take it but um taking a wrap on coming in for landings are really really awesome looks like we got another question uh kevin what was the question
1: Kevin?
9: uh tony marzano was asking how long uh, how, how long can you fly? I guess he's talking about the balloon before you have to replace the the canopy, the bo- actual yeah, balloon.
2: Great question. Um, balloon technology and balloon fabric has come on a long way. It used to be very similar to paramotor hours. So a lot of the older balloons will kind of do 300 hours. It's ripstop nylon, very similar weights to our paramotor wings. However, the fabrics in ballooning are getting a bit more advanced. Um, for the most part, on a on a ripstop nylon balloon, you can expect kind of four or five hundred hours. Um, some of the balloons use material called hyperlast. It's a much uh, more durable fabric. Some of them are polyester now, and those balloons can do kind of eight hundred hours or more. Wow. The um, the colour of the fabric massively affects it as well. So red really? balloons. Yeah, red balloons and red fabric um, tend to, so let me step back. Every year we inspect the balloons. um, And as part of that inspection, we look at the porosity. So we'll blow through the fabric and see how leaky it is. Um, But we'll also attach two clamps on it and we'll pull the fabric in both directions um, to make sure it's still strong enough to withstand the pressures of flight. Um, Red fabric always breaks first. It becomes the most brittle. It breaks down under sun and under UV um if you believe, leave a balloon in the bag and it goes wet it will go moldy it's not good for it either um but yeah we test we test the fabric to make sure it's still strong enough um and uh not porous so it's leaking loads of gas out and leaking loads of air so you to use loads of fuel
9: a commercial balloon
2: so in the uk we find our our balloons because it's virgin the company i work for is virgin balloon flights richard branson virgin um, they're red balloons, so they tend to go for kind of 600, 650 hours, even though they're that slightly better fabric. And we retire them. Um, commercial balloons retire a bit earlier as well, because they have to be, they have to be perfect. You know what they're doing.
0: When you retire them, what, what, what does the, uh, what do you do? Are they just destroyed? Or are they used for something else?
2: Yeah. Um, so some of the balloons will go. Um, into balloon museums so very often companies will sponsor special special shapes there's a Thomas the Tank Engine balloon there's a Captain Morgan's pirate ship there's Bertie but there's all kinds of different shapes there's McDonald's meal and um, so some of those will end up in museums and they'll get pulled out for balloon events and they'll they'll inflate them and tether them in front of the crowds because they're crowd pleasers um, for normal balloons when they get old that's kind of it there's not a lot of use for them um the big virgin balloons we've got we've turned a lot of them into dust covers so during the winter when all the trailers come in for the winter season That's we'll cool. have these massive tarps we can put over stuff but um, nice. we're still trying to find a good use for the fabric because it's it's still good stuff but you know for the most yeah. part
0: so i wonder red goes first does that mean yep blue violet goes last and that's yeah the yeah
2: the blues and greens tend to last a lot longer the reds and oranges tend to tend to go first which is yeah very interesting
0: huh. I wonder if it yeah. is the 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 waves of the the light that actually penetrates those particular colors yeah that's yeah, neat yeah, I've, I've never even thought about that so I wonder if that's the same in uh paramotor wings you know the reds and the yellows go first, and the blues stay better for a longer period of time. I'm always partial to blue wings anyways, and my wings always seem to last a pretty good long time. My red wing that I had the first one, the Roadster are three, that I had um it it went pretty quick, so yeah,
2: my wings got yeah. all the color, so I'm covered. Oh, <laughs> It, it will be similar in a paramotor wing, it'll be much more forgiving because that pressure equalizes across the whole thing. If you've got different colors, it won't matter so much if one's going quicker than the other. Um, but yeah, it, it will be the same. It's the same fabric that's used. Both of them are the fabric on paramotor wings is coated in the same way as balloon fabric as well to stop it being porous. So,
0: hmm. interesting man. I tell you. I learned so much. It's uh, 9.15 right now. Butch is about ready to fall yeah. up. Yeah. <laughs> we got to get up early in the morning start working on the nonprofit school. It's called runtothesky.org. We help disabled veterans uh, learn to fly paramotors because it is completely, it's therapeutic. It really is.
1: Transformative. Yeah. Yeah, it's it is
0: 100%. And I believe that wholeheartedly. That's why I put my whole life into this. This is what I want to do. Um, and I heard that that's what you want to do over there. So I highly commend you, and hopefully we can get together sometime and, and talk more about yeah. that. And and uh, you know maybe, maybe you know combine in partnership or something, which would yeah, be awesome. Excellent. Y'all Man, got a but, lot
3: of donations lately too, which looks awesome
0: absolutely we've yes. been we've been so lucky um we had some people come over we got um a, a fresh breeze quad that came in for a donation we got a trike buggy that came in we got a couple of free flight harnesses we got a big uh, 29 meter uh wing that was that's only had two flights on it yeah, it's like
3: brand new i was like look at that wing it's like <laughs> brand new it's
0: yeah like- talk about crispy i'm like whoa this is really crispy so we've been we've been very very lucky and uh we just pass this along to uh butch uh how many people do we have uh, on the queue 10 10 veterans yep. 10 veterans on the queue to come through so uh, we're this close to finishing up the school and that's what we've been doing four o'clock in the morning to 10 o'clock at night and uh we've been busting hump so if you guys are able to run over to runintothesky.org check us out um, obviously we appreciate anything that you can help us out with if even if it's just coming over and helping us uh, pound a couple of nails and you guys are more than welcome to come over ben it's been a pleasure my friend uh yes, all absolutely. the stuff that you've done the the just the information about a uh, ballooning the etiquettes as far as paramotors and balloons that's been that's been brought up numerous times over the years And now we got somebody that does both and tells us, Hey, we love to see you guys buzz around. Just make sure that we can see you don't go too high or too low and wave and keep on going. I mean, that's great. I'm so glad that you said that because now I'm going to be uh, trying to find some balloons to go and buzz and say, (laughs)
2: Hey. Yeah. Yeah. Do it. Yeah. No, thank you all so much for having me on. I've had a wonderful time. It's been great speaking to you all and and getting your views into the chat as well for your questions. Yeah. It's been. Well,
7: thank you, Ben. There. Thank you. Yes.
2: Thank yeah.
7: you. Gosh. Got God, yeah, sure. we kept you up. All, we kept you up all night. Ah, <laughs> uh, but it like I'm was flying cool.
3: in about an hour. And... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, You're gonna
0: go flying an hour, aren't you? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I think I will. <laughs> sure. Wow. Well, no, make sure, sure you video it. Make sure you video it, and uh, let us know that you took off and flew. And a nice day tomorrow, even though it's not tomorrow yet. It's tomorrow for you. and uh we'll be looking at your instagram we got the instagram down below along with uh, ben's bio so make sure you run over to his instagram and subscribe and like all of his uh, amazing pictures and videos that one with the big blue hole that you got there that looks amazing too um that that, that's amazing uh the pictures that he has on his instagram so definitely go check that out um any other questions for ben before we say goodbye farewell
7: this thank was you. i learned so much tonight the what was this cool or what i mean yeah. do i know how to pick the guests i mean you
0: know how to seriously
7: pick i was like like i said i saw i saw ben on facebook and i and i read you know um you know you always check to see what they're all about and i was like oh yeah this guy <laughs> you know, working him on the show and thank no, you so much, ben. seriously i <laughs> totally appreciate you
2: I I've, uh, I've one question for you guys. Where, where in the US are you based? If I ever, if I ever come over that way, I'd love to come and uh, visit and fly with you guys at some point.
0: Butch and I are in uh, Butch and I are in Central America, right dead center in Arkansas. Yeah. So um, we are there. Kevin, he's in Mississippi.
1: Lindy's
7: in, in Michigan.
0: <laughs> so you can pick whichever corner of the US you want to come. To. <laughs> Oh
1: uh, yeah,
3: you'll be yeah. covered.
0: You.
7: There you go. We're from all over the place. Yes. Yeah.
0: Scuba what? Steve, did you, did you tell us where you're from? Who? What? Scuba Steve, Steve. did you tell us from oh, where, where you're yes, from? Virginia. No, he didn't.
1: Okay, uh, Virginia.
3: Yeah. Yep. Yeah, I'm I'm as close to the water as you can get. Nice. On the east coast of Virginia, I'm like right by the ocean.
1: Hmm. <clears throat>
0: And Will flies from North Carolina. The one that was on here, he's from North yep. Carolina. He's
3: right below me, so there you go. Yep.
1: Yeah.
7: yep. And well, Lake Michigan's well, right behind me in the picture. See, that's Lake yeah. Michigan, right? Almost on my, almost on my front door. I can walk to the lake. That's, I love it.
0: That's awesome, Ben. If you ever get to America, you know, definitely got a place to uh, hang out. Uh, our school is going to be um, set up. Uh, for people to stay, we got uh, travel trailers out there too for special uh, people, and uh would love for you to come over and say hi and uh, barbecue with us and
2: yes, uh, brilliant. And,
0: and fly <laughs> around and just talk about paramotors and even ballooning.
2: Oh, I really appreciate that. Thank you. Absolutely. If you guys, yeah. um, if you guys get a chance to jump in a balloon, go and do it. It's um it's amazing. It's another form of flying, unobstructed views. So you'll you'll love it.
0: I think I'm going to have to try that. I've heard way too many good things about it now before I didn't want to, but now I'm like, you know what? I think I will. That sounds like a good thing to do.
9: I've been once in a balloon and it was a lot of fun. Yeah. Excellent.
7: There you go. Yeah, Ben, you're welcome to, uh, anytime. Come hang with, hang with us in the Zoom.
1: Oh, thank you guys. Appreciate it. on Mondays.
7: More than welcome. We got you in the guest chat and all that. So. Yeah. Anytime. Just jump in there and chat with us because yeah. we talk paramotors. Well, most of the guys do. You know, I just kind of hang out in the chat, you know, in our guest chat. But yeah.
0: And we Thank always you. say that we're going to do one hour and we never do one hour. It always goes way over. Not
3: even close this time. I'm not that. We're at two yeah. and a half hours now.
0: I mean, you know, he's like, you know, one o'clock in the morning. He said, or two o'clock in the morning. I'm like, all right, we'll just do one hour and that's it. Now that <laughs> never happens.
1: Mm-hmm. Yes.
0: But we definitely appreciate you, um, Thank you know, you, hanging Beth. with us for such a long time. And get some sleep, buddy. Get some sleep. And get
2: some some Italian coffee in a few hours' time. And that'll sort it out.
0: <laughs> there you go. Good coffee.
7: So. Shout Bye. out to my chatters. Thank you so much, chatters and viewers and everybody, listeners and all that. Thank you for hanging with us on Monday night. We so, so appreciate all of you. So much love. That's what I say. Then my show. My show. <laughs> Don't I say my show?
6: Always. Oh, is that it? work
7: now? See, I started you guys on it. <laughs>
0: okay. Well, on, on my Zoom, when doesn't I do, do <laughs> it, it <laughs> does I updated. Yeah,
3: I when even I started, updated my Zoom, but my camera just will not. It'll do the thumb. <laughs>
0: If, if yeah. I do this, it has little hearts that come out. If I do this, it lightens and then it does these sparkly things.
6: Oh my <laughs> that. Did,
7: see, and I and I upgrade. I updated this today, so I don't know where that's at. I mean, it's updated now. <laughs> what are you supposed to hit? I don't
0: you know? know, but here's
3: my. I heart. like
7: how yeah, the little hearts come up. Don't forget to potty
0: before
3: you fly. Yeah. Yeah. Well, there
0: you go. Don't forget what?
3: Don't forget to potty before you fly. (laughs) I was going to say to Ben, don't take any terminally ill people on your hot air balloon because you know, you had that that guy that got that was terminally ill with cancer and decided to get in a helicopter and jump out when he was two or 3,000 feet in the air. What? Yeah. Was this, what? When was this? What? What? This has been years ago. Bill Burr talked about it. It. Um. Yeah. The this guy, his, his dad turned the business over to his son, and his son had been running the business for like two weeks. And this guy was like, "Yeah, I wanna, I wanna go fly in a helicopter." So they did. And when when they took off in the helicopter, the guy just unbuckled
2: his seatbelt and jumped out of the freaking helicopter. So yeah. There's a pilot here in Italy. He had a he had a passenger die during the flight. Um, didn't tell him beforehand that it was terminal. They landed, had to tell the family, and the family apparently weren't even remotely surprised. They were like, "Yeah, we thought it would probably happen today."
3: Wow! So they so knew.
2: Yeah. The last the last thing he did was being up in the air. It's the worst place to go, isn't that?
0: No, no. I mean, honestly, for me, you know, that'd be the that's where I would want to go. Yeah. Right. You know, I mean. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go where I love. Go. That's yeah.
3: that's what Bill was saying. He's like that dude's a hero to me, man. He he went out the way he wanted to. He wouldn't yeah. let uh, cancer kill him. He went out the way he wanted to. It sucked yeah. for the helicopter pilot though because he just took over the business. You know, it's like man, oh man, that's gotta suck for you, dude.
0: But, well. Anyway, what a wonderful
8: <laughs> Yeah, what a wonderful fun, show.
1: <laughs> podcast.
8: Oh, uh, scuba, I doing some leave
0: on. All yeah. right. But anyways, had a great time, Ben. Thank you yeah. so much for all the information. You're nice. definitely have a wealth of information. Uh, I don't even think that it, I, I'll have to watch this again just to, to read, remember nice. everything that you talked about. I mean, just so much information. And thank you so much, my friend. Absolutely nice. had a blast
1: thank you appreciate guys had a great
0: y'all. time. all right buddy well have a great evening and thank you again um you're more than welcome to sign off we're going to say goodbye and farewell to everybody else and do their sign-offs so thank you so much ben you can either go or stay we appreciate you in- I'll I'll stay for a minute and see the sky. Okay. Okay. Excellent. Well, thank you again. Uh, uh, Ben Raven, guys, uh, from the UK. Make sure you check out his um, Instagram down below, his bio. Uh, Go over to his Instagram, obviously, and say hi and uh, love and love and love all of his stuff that he does. It's so awesome. Butch Fly from ppgbutch.com. He is the director of operations over at org, our nonprofit, to help disabled veterans run into the sky uh butch tell us a little bit about run to the sky the director's operations how many people we got going and looks like he's nodding off because he's so tired (laughs) butch is rolling to the sky now i'm just (laughs) yeah yeah, he is
8: Uh, i've been doing a little foot launch here lately okay good (laughs) But yeah, we've got 10 veterans lined up. We're just working on the funding and to everybody that's donated. Thank you very much and keep it coming. We appreciate it, but we always need more. You know, it's, it costs money, but you're making dreams come true. This is the best therapy in the world. There's nothing like flying, there's nothing like it. And you're making dreams come true. So,
0: Tell us a bit about the school and uh, where we are in the school and what's what's to come.
8: Well, we've got the plumbing almost all the way done in the bathroom. We do have running water and we've got the lights now, and we got some electrical plug-ins. We're working on more this week, and we're gonna be putting a loft in and building, finishing the wall. <laughs>
0: Got a lot of stuff coming, a lot of stuff going awesome. on. We got new students coming in. We got uh, some other students coming in this week, so it's nonstop, nonstop. And uh, without Butch, I don't think I could do this. Anytime, uh, all the all the heavy lifting he does, all the computer work he does, all the emails he does, he does so much. He's taken so much off my plate, and I appreciate everything that you've done, Butch. I could not do this without you. Thank you.
8: Thank you. i um, I appreciate you giving the opportunity.
0: Absolutely, my friend. Found a new best friend. That, that's really awesome. I mean, like I said, couldn't do this without him. Thank you. Um, we also got Linda, our very own Linda with the pom-poms.
7: The our pom poms. She's a PR pom.
0: girl. She's our PR girl, not only for the but podcast, which is, which is now part of the nonprofit. Because if I go, I mean, I want this podcast to continue so i donated this podcast to run into the sky so now it belongs to run into the sky and uh not only is linda our pr girl for this podcast for the last uh four seasons or how many seasons have you been on we're on our fourth season so you've been with us for three seasons at least or all four
7: i think all four
0: okay yeah Yeah, yeah. you've been with us from almost the very very beginning
7: Yeah,
0: Uh, she's also taken up the position of uh, the PR person for Run into the Sky, the nonprofit, and uh, she's helping us out. You know, as part as the part of the board, also. So we definitely thank you so much for everything that you've done. Now you got a famous son that does something also too, and does a podcast. What's that all about?
7: Oh yeah, that's true. (laughs) Um, My son Robert Michaels. He has um, he has a show on Thursday nights. Called ParaglidingTalk every Thursday night, and uh, we, he always has awesome guests, and we just have really a lot of fun with it. And like I said I got interested in and in, you know seeing what he he does and everything, and um and now you know now I I yeah I message him and say hey there you should get this guest on your show you know and and we go back and forth on it. We just have really good time with it, and I've made in the last four years our paramotor failure has gotten so huge it is it's just amazing and every guest that I get on here I look at it as another you know a, a new a paramotor friend a new paramotor family family member and then it's like when I get the guest on then they get introduced to all kinds of people and and make new friends and find out you know, learn where the flyings are and all that stuff. And it opens a a whole new world for them too. So you
0: need to tell, you need to tell Robert about uh, Ben. Maybe Ben, maybe Ben can jump on another show.
7: Yeah. Oh, I will. Yeah, definitely. will. I'm going to send him the link so he can watch the show, you know, watch it later (laughs) or whatever. Definitely. Yeah. I'm always sending him stuff. So it's fun. Yep. And sometimes he'll get a guest on the show and I'll be like, wait a minute. How'd you get him on there? So, you know, so quick or whatever and and uh but we like i said we just have fun with it and then of course wednesday night is jade jade lear has her show um just want to fly and
0: yep. uh com.
7: yes com. so you get to check her out and uh yeah on wednesday night she always has a really cool show
0: absolutely so, well we thank you so much miss linda we appreciate everything that you do i and appreciate we- you
7: guys don't know what
0: we'd do without you either
7: you're my family absolutely we also
0: we also got um our very own kevin uh from mississippi that comes all the way over to arkansas to train over at paramotorarkansas.com. and uh how are you doing on your training and how do you feel so far you're getting pretty close to taking your solo aren't you buddy
9: I am. I uh, came and spent uh, the weekend in Arkansas. Uh, helped around uh, um, putting things together, and did my first uh, was it power taxi without uh, um, a wing. A wing, thank you. <laughs> yeah, I know it's getting no, late. For, it's
0: getting late for everybody, and you found out what ADCCs is as far as power. And the thrust right. on the ADCCs blew you away, didn't it?
9: Right, it did. It did. So, but uh, if you're not ready for it, it'll uh, it'll take you for a ride. <laughs> <laughs> That's for sure. Oh, well, Kevin,
0: yep. can't wait for you to get back over here and finish your training, get your first solo, so you can uh, be part of the flying family. You're always you're already part of the family, but you want to get up there and feel what it's all about. So, can't wait for you to get up in the air, bro. I mean, thank you. Absolutely. And then, of course, we got our Scuba Stave. What's up, Scuba Stave?
6: Yes, sir. He does sir. a podcast
0: on Friday, and he does a vaping slash paramotor uh, uh, podcast uh, every Friday over at paramotordude.com. Tell us a little bit about that, bruh.
3: Yeah, that's what we do. I mean, I, I do a show about vaping. Does not allow on Ben's balloon, by the way. Just make sure.
0: <laughs> um <laughs> Yeah, we well, see the things that we learn, right? I, I know, know. It's like,
2: oh, you, you
3: can't even what? vape. I know you can't smoke, but you can't vape on this blue. That sucks. I'd be on, like, I I take me, me down.
2: You're good on the launch field. Tell me which way the wind's going.
0: There you <laughs> go. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> <laughs> go. The launch only, the launch only.
3: So, yeah, we just, um, we just talk about vaping. A lot about paramotoring now because it kind of takes over once you start flying. It's, it, you know it's it just becomes part of your daily life it seems like everything is you know you're like paramotor this paramotor that and, and kevin i look forward to seeing you fly man i you know if you're doing that powered taxi then your next step is in the air dude which is going to be awesome because you know it it's like you've been it's you're taking a long time to get it done but when you get it done that feeling of accomplishment is all the better you know it's like I, I freaking did it. You know, it's, it's going to be so awesome.
1: exciting for you,
3: man.
2: It's going to change your life.
9: Yeah. Um, I'm, look, I'm looking forward to it. So, looking oh, forward yeah. to it.
3: Can't wait to see it, man. I know Sean will get video, even if he's oh, yeah. the stupid nine bot thing.
9: Yeah,
0: he, <laughs> he will. <laughs> <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. Well, thank you, Scuba Steve. Thank you, Ken. Thank you, Paramom. Thank you, Butch, and especially Ben Raven for jumping on the show at two o'clock, three o'clock, and four o'clock in the morning, his time in Italy. Dude, <laughs> I don't I don't know how you do it, but thank wow. you so much. Uh enjoyed the conversation immensely.
7: Yes. Super yeah. fun.
0: Absolutely. Thank ben, thanks All again. Right. And I can't wait until the next yeah. time we go out and uh, run into the sky together.
7: Yeah, quite right. There you go. Peace, guys.
1: guys. Bye.
0: Definitely. Bye. Peace out, everybody. We love you. See you next week.
7: Bye. Bye.
0: Peace. <laughs> wait, hearts, real quick. We got to do some hearts. No, here. no, 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 hearts. Come on, hearts. go, go. Hearts, go. don't work. Hearts, there we go. There we go. All right. <laughs> Come on, Come on, Come on, You doing I it. got I got the broken heart, man. I got <laughs> a broken heart. <laughs> Come on, dude. Here we go. Got the heart. Maybe if I had
3: heart surgery, I could. No, I don't.
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh man, what a wonderful, wonderful evening! Thank you guys so much. I appreciate you.
6: Thank All you. Right. All right. Peace have out. Fun.